don't yeah, know. So let's let's start. Um, okay. A roll call, I guess, or yeah. So let's. Uh, uh, I want to welcome everyone to our Ventura Water Commission regular meeting for Tuesday, October twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. Uh, will it be Amanda that will be doing the roll call? Yes. Uh, Commissioner Ackerman? Here. Com uh, Commissioner Bagger is absent for the moment. Uh, Commissioner Clay? Here. Commissioner McCombs? Here. Commissioner Mulligan? Commissioner Mulligan? Here. Uh, Commissioner McCord? Here. And Commissioner Hubner? Here. Oh, and Commissioner Bregner just joined. And we just took roll, Commissioner Bregner, so um, I will mark you as present. Can you test your audio? Uh, okay. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can Hello. hear you. Okay. Welcome. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Are you able oh. to press? Okay, but I can't. I have no visual. Yeah, visual. I'm trying to get my. I'm trying to get my IT person here to help out. Apologize for this. So the perhaps we can go to the uh, our item number two, the minutes, um, which were the minutes from the June twenty second, twenty twenty one regular session. Does uh, any of the commissioners have any changes they propose? Otherwise, I'll entertain a motion. I move that uh, we presented. This is Nova. Second that. This is Suzanne. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Breger? Commissioner Clay? Yes. Commissioner McCombs? Yes. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner McCord? Abstain. I was not present. Commissioner Hubner? Yes. Are we um, good with that item? Do we have to circle back to to Robert? I'm okay with it. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, 
Back to item number one. Is there a oath of office that's going to be administered tonight? That is correct. Okay, let's let's take that item up. And uh, one, I want to welcome uh, Robert to the commission. And um, perhaps after the oath, you can give us a short introduction on who you are and why you want to be on the commission. Sure. Okay, Mr. Breaker, um, so we don't have your camera, which shouldn't be a problem. We can hear you. So what I'm going to have you do is raise your right hand. I'm going to recite the oath. I will have you state your name and then at the end, you're going to either affirm or swear. So I, please state your name. I, Robert Breger. Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of California, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties as a member of the Water Commission of the City of San Buenaventura. Please swear or, or affirm. I will. Thank you. So, uh, Robert, what is, who would you like me yes. to call you? Would you? Robert, okay, we already have a, a Bob, so just actually now that we're all friends, you can call me Bob. Um, hey, Bob, I'm Bob. <laughs> There's my Hi, predicament. Bob. Okay, <laughs> Gerhard, we're gonna have some stumbling blocks here. <laughs> I know, and I absolutely apologize for this. Uh, you know, this is, I, I had a feeling this was going to happen. And I even, <clears throat> uh, you know, um, came in or uh, came in early and, you know, this, I don't know, it does, you know, technology is such that uh, this things like this happen. So anyway, would you like me to introduce myself and please? Okay, excuse my voice here. We'll, uh, rumbly here. Um, anyway, my name is Robert uh, Robert L. Brager. I um, I've um, I graduated in uh, uh, civil engineering uh, back in the late '80s, actually around '86. And uh, after I um, after I uh, graduated, I got a job in in materials and geotechnical engineering, actually uh, for uh, a firm in uh, in Ventura, uh, um, Stallgardner and Dunn, and um, I worked there for a little while, and then I got into uh, I wanted to get into civil engineering, so I I got a job with Boyle Engineering as an assistant engineer, and I worked there for ten years designing actually a lot of the a lot of the product uh, uh, you know projects uh, public work projects here in Ventura at the time. And I, um, when I, I was on a project for the city of Thousand Oaks uh, on that, I don't know if you guys remembered way back then, that uh, a sewage line that's, uh, that uh, broke in, uh, 
Oh, is it? Uh, is, and for, uh, that little uh, arroyo over in Thousand Oaks. Anyway, I was on the project to design and uh, and uh, and construct the project. Anyway, after that, I worked. Uh, I got a job offer to work for the city of uh, Simi Valley, um, and I um, I worked at their uh, their water treatment facility. Their their actually their plant, and I did. Uh, uh, plant upgrades. And I worked for there for about five years, and then uh, City of Ventura offered me a position as a principal engineer in their uh, construction division. So I worked there for about uh, about five years or so until um, um, City of Malibu um, asked me to uh, be their public works director and city engineer. And I've been with them for oh about thirteen years, and then. Uh, Things changed, and so I decided it was a good time to retire. I was working there for about 13 years, and so I decided it was a good time to retire. So anyway, I currently am retired, but I have over 30 years of experience. 21 years is in public public works engineering, and 13 of those years were in was as a, as a public works director and city engineer. And uh, uh, I am. Um, I really appreciate, um, you know, uh, I guess retiring is not as what they say. <laughs> it uh, it uh, gives you a lot of time to think. And so, um, and especially when COVID, uh, COVID came in, it gave you a little more time to think. And so I decided that, um, you know, I was always, I always wanted to contribute, you know, to society. I, uh, I uh, I felt it was always good to contribute to my uh, profession and to uh, my uh, community, and that's why I wanted to uh, I wanted to be on the panel. I saw there was an opening, and uh, I thought uh, well that would be very nice. Uh, I could you know instead of fully retiring, I could uh, I could contribute some of my uh, what I learned over the years to uh, you know to help out. Uh, uh, you know, the Water Commission, and one of the reasons I selected the Water Commission, because most of my experience has been in design of water systems, uh, pipelines, pump stations, um, wastewater and water treatment facilities, and uh, we just, when I retired from the city of Malibu, we had, it, uh, about, it took about 10 years or so, but we, we designed and constructed a uh, a stormwater facility, which actually won project of the year back in, I think, 2011 um, uh, for the state of California, American Society of Civil Engineers. Um, uh, and uh, and then we finished uh, the, the wastewater treatment facility. It's a small one, but it's still, uh, it's still my baby, I should say. And uh, um, that uh, so basically most of my experience is water, wastewater, uh, design and construction. So I figured this would be a good uh, opportunity to contribute uh, my my talents. And again, I'm working with. Uh, I, I notice a, a very vast, experienced panel here, and uh, and whatever I can contribute, I will. Uh, you know, I, I'd like to volunteer my services for that. So. 
um, again, I've always, I always believed in giving back to the community and that's what I'm, you know, that's what I'm preparing to do. So. Well, uh, welcome and uh, congratulations on some of those big projects in Malibu, uh, the wastewater facility, as well as that stormwater project. Um, I'm aware of that. It's part of it is my, myself. So, um, and um, so with that, unless anybody else, other commissioners have any questions, um, let's just jump into our agenda. Yeah, I'll be happy to answer whatever questions you throw my way. <laughs> great, great. All right, let's move on to item number three, which is our financial status update. Uh, do we have our finance and technology manager, Mr. Kuhn? Yeah, Michael's here tonight. Um, so he's going to present this, and he is the finance and technology director. Okay. So go ahead and... Take it away, Michael. Yes, good evening, um, commissioners. I'm glad to be here tonight. Like I said, you know, on a, on a quarterly basis, I'm um, at the city. We go over the uh, financials with uh, starting out with the audit and finance or the finance audit and budget committee, then city council. Um, also, the request has been made to make these presentations of the Chair Water Commission, uh, which is good. So, like I said, we have this presentation for you just to focus in on water and wastewater operations. Um, so if we go to the next slide, please. Um, here, like I said, this will just be a high level of the current um, current fiscal year. Um, I'll go a little bit more detail in the next slide, but here you just kind of see comparison. This, on your left is the budget. You know, basically a water, we're at a budget of just under 42 million. We think we'll spend about 38.6 million dollars of that um, at this point in the year. With like I said, the main. Difference being some savings in operation and maintenance. Uh, you know, right now, the projected savings are, are mainly found in the supplies and services category from things like pumping, um, utilities, and chemicals. Um, however, like I said, you know, as you know, water operations change throughout the year. Um, you know, depending on on various things that can impact the usage, those water um, amounts can change. The pumping amounts can change. Um, you know, pumping amounts are already starting to increase due to some operational changes within the system. Um, and also there's an unknown factor of um, supply chain shortages. I mean, you know, already, um, you know, um, Susan, her staff have started to see some increases in the cost of chemicals and other items. Um, like I said, so, you know, as of right now, we, we think there'll be about a $3 million or so savings in uh, water operations. Obviously, it's something we'll continue to monitor. Um, a lot of variables at this point um, in the year based off of obviously water demand um, and supply chain issues um, that will continue to monitor throughout the year. Um, and then also the other the other driver is um, is there is about a million dollars of vacancy savings um, as well. Um, obviously um, while those you know well does produce some savings to have positions vacant that, that means that there are um, some critical functions um, that are not being done as quickly as we would like. Uh, moving to the next step please or the next slide please. Um, so here you'll see just a, a five year financial picture. Um, so you'll see four columns on the right. These are actual results. Um, there's this light blue column that's the budget for the current year. And then the final column is the estimate or the projection for the total year. Um, so as you can um, and then one also one keynote, the, the fiscal year 2021 column, those are unaudited actuals. Um, the first three dark blue columns are audited. Um, like I said, the, the financial audit for last fiscal year has not yet 
complete, um, but will be wrapped up uh, shortly. Um, so just need to make that caveat anytime we show those unaudited numbers. Um, and so, but you, as you can see, you know, historically, you know, we, we have our revenues and our resources from water operations um, and, the and the expenses, you know, historically come under those creating an operational surplus from year to year. You know, one of the things, like I said, that, you know, this, um, these savings typically, some of the typical drivers for these savings, once again, they're, they're the pumping accounts, the utility accounts, um, was obviously we, we budget to meet our contractual demands for various different water contracts we have or pumping contracts we have. We obviously include some contingencies on utilities, you know, and, you know, knock on wood, but, you know, we've never, you know, had a perfect year or a perfect storm, I should say, where, you know, we, we're kind of maxing out all those contingencies in any one given year. Um, and so what that does is with those operational savings is it allows um, for money, for, for some additional money to become available for critical CIP projects, you know, for projects that are needed to keep this, to keep the system going um, and to um, add um, new, new infrastructure, obviously like Ventura Water Pure, um, the State Water Interconnect and all the, all the various different projects that um, the Ventura Water team manages. Um, so like I said, the budget for this year, um, like I said, you just write it $41.7 million. Um, you know, like I said, it's early on in the year, um, you know, based off of kind of delays and collections, you know, there's not a whole lot of data um, in the um, in the revenues yet, but like I said, we'll continue to monitor those for, for any significant changes. Um, and then, like I said, on the previous slide, I, I highlighted a little bit, um, you know, what, what we think are driving um, the expense estimates at this point. Like I said, at this point, like I said, early on in the year, like I said, it looks to be like there, there, there could be some savings in, like I said, the pumping, the utilities, um, chemicals, and um, from some vacancy savings. Like I said, once again, you know, always subject to change and, you know, there's a little bit more uncertainty now more than ever with the restricted supply chain that um, people all across uh, the world are, are encountering. So on the next slide, please. And here's just a high level of the reserves for the water operations um, and the capital reserve as well. Um, so one thing, um, you know, one change from the presentation um, last time is, you know, so there is, um, while there's the, while the city has always maintained um, the, the appropriate cash balances to support the reserves, um, it had been a while since the actual reserve in the city's accounting system had been updated. Um, so now as a part of the regular annual financial close process, um, you know, one of the things in our checklist as we're closing the books for a year is to make sure that the, the uh, dedicated accounts for these reserves are updated to match um, the current policy. Um, so, so that's one thing, like I said, you know, the cash has always been there, um, but, you know, just hasn't always been put into those committed balances. So that's one thing that, you know, one change that, um, you know, um, you will see, you know, is that now the, the reserves match, match the policy levels um, to, uh, to a T. So, like I said, you know, it's like I said, nice healthy reserves. Um, obviously, you know, this is, this is, you know, the, the water fund and the water CIP fund have cash above and beyond this. This is just basically that amount that we retain um, for um, rainy days, whether it be operation related or, uh, you know, capital project related. So moving on to the next slide, please. Here we transition to the uh, wastewater operations. Once again, we have on the left, the revised budget for wastewater is just over $29 million. Um, on the right, 
We have the estimate for the current year, like I said, you know, debt service, reserves and transfers, um, you know, they're about the same. Um, you know, typically, you know, look, look to be close to budget, you know, we're seeing some O&M, um, some projective savings, you know, same thing um, as water. Obviously in wastewater, you're not gonna have as much of the, you know, pumping, um, you know, from the aquifers and whatnot, um, but we're, we are going to see, um, you know, heavy utility usage, you know, a lot, um, a lot of uh, chemical costs as well in, in wastewater. Um, like I said, so these are some of the areas where we're currently projecting savings, but we're going to monitor closely. Um, and then once again, we do see some of those vacancy savings um, within wastewater, um, as well as, like I said, as the city is, you know, striving to fill the positions as quickly as possible. Um, but there have been, um, obviously there has been some delays um, as, as you know, staff turns over. Um, and then I think one, one keynote that I, I forgot to um, mention on the previous slide, um, but I said, obviously I know we have one new commissioner that was sworn in. This may be you know, um, a little new, but I just did want to touch base on the reserves and transfers. Um, just, you know, so um, for general comment, but, you know, so typically, you know, and um, the transfers in wastewater, um, as you would know, are, are substantially larger than those in water. Um, one of the reasons for this is, you know, we have, for example, the administrative services, right? So, so Susan, for example, um, you know, she codes all of her time to fund 52 or water. Um, and so for that administrative project that Susan oversees is located within the water fund, but basically each year the wastewater transfers money over to water to pay wastewater's portion of those costs. Um, so there's various things where just, you know, as a decision, it was decided, hey, which one do we put these in? Various items were placed into water, and then, then the costs are distributed out and wastewater transfers the money um, over to the water fund. Um, there's also um, obviously transfers um, between the general fund and the uh, wastewater fund. Obviously, you know, you know the, the city pays for its water wastewater services it receives, you know, the general fund, it transfers the money for any other benefits it receives to water and wastewater. Um, and then, you know, water and wastewater as well transfers um, funds to the general fund for services um, provided to uh, by the general fund. Um, like I said, so just a high level overview. Like I said, I wanted to touch base on that. Just remembering that we do have, like I said, one new commissioner. Um, and then moving on to the next slide. Once again, here we have the the five year chart. Um, here's the like I said, you know, once again we have the unaudited actuals and then three other years of historical actuals. Um, like I said, you know, the same story in wastewater, you know, the, the, um, the savings in past years have been, um, have been a little smaller in wastewater than in water. I mean, you know, the, the funds in wastewater have always been a little bit tighter, um, but still, like I said, the, those operational savings, um, you know, each year, you know, typically coming from, you know, not needing to use all the contingencies, um, provide, like I said, the additional money to help fund uh, all the critical CIP projects um, on the wastewater side as well. Um, then, you know, it's a little bit more um, evident kind of on the wastewater side versus the, um, the, or the water side, you know, you can see a little bit better kind of the impact of the jump in operational costs and rates um, on the waste, you know, on the wastewater side that were approved in last budget cycle. Obviously you all are very familiar with the, um, you know, the, the operations increases um, and the, you know, CIP needs um, that necessitated those, those increases, you know, obviously the Ventura Water Pure um, team that is executing the CAP projects, uh, obviously that, that kind of core team, I, 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 I know that 
you have met kind of the core group there. Um, their costs have been included in the budgets um, and obviously the costs needed to maintain and operate the systems. Um, so like I said, revenues early on in the year, we're still monitoring them. They look to be coming in healthy so far, um, you know, right around where we would anticipate. And then, like I said, once again, we have those savings um, that were discussed earlier, right? You know, so we have some, you know, chemicals, some utilities, um, and some vacancy savings. So next slide, please. And then here, similar to the uh, the water fund, you know, we have these, you know, these reserves for wastewater. You know, being wastewater is a smaller fund. Um, the reserves are smaller, but the reserves, like I said, are um, recorded. Record recorded the appropriate levels um, now in the accounting system and they can be um, seen as the committed reserves um, on the city's um, balance sheets. Uh, and then next slide, please. And then I'm available for any questions that the, that the commissioners may have. Thank you, Michael. I'll open it up now to uh, commissioner questions. This is Suzanne. Go ahead, Suzanne. Uh, Mr. Kuhn, I have two two questions um, and one comment. If we could go back to um, your first slide where you were showing the water fund 52. Yes. Um, can you explain why debt service is so much higher than budget? Yes. Yeah, so at this point, um, it, it, it appears to be related to how various some diff, various different items were booked. Um, that's one thing that we're looking at. Um, and there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a, need, a little bit of a need there for some cleanup. But that's, that's an accounting kind of a, an a, accounting uh, entry that we're working on cleaning up. As my assessment would have been that based on the, the beneficial refinancing that had been completed in the prior fiscal year, that we one we should have seen a decrease in debt service, and two certainly this soon into the fiscal year we shouldn't be running out of sync with budget. So um, at your at your next quarterly update for us, if you could please be prepared to, you know, update that for for the accounting cleanup or whatever else that would be helpful. Um, second question is um, I'm not expecting you to have the numbers at your fingertips tonight, but when you make your next presentation to us, I think it would be helpful to understand. Um, with regard to the aggregate amount of reserves and transfers, what amount between water and wastewater is being transferred to the city's general fund, basically in terms of the allocation of what we pay for your salary and all the other general city functions, um, if you will. I, I would view that as, you know, overhead type costs that are not directly, you know, related to the water and wastewater operations. Understand we have to pay our share but I think that would be a useful figure to understand what that is in terms of order of magnitude. And then lastly would be a comment on uh, your slide three and six in each instance where you're saying, you know, again, this is a change in presentation, um, differentiating between the policy level reserve amount and then the actual cash. Um, I think that I would prefer um, that the cash reserve number would be presented as the actual cash that has, you know, the extra surplus or reserve that's been generated by each of the respective funds that is therefore available for CIP and other projects. I understand there's the reserve, the policy level reserve amount, but that is a figure that we've been tracking for the past several years. Um, and I think it's important so, for us to see that. 
so technically it isn't accurate to call that a reserve. I mean, I can report what you're asking for, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't call it a reserve. No, it's just available cash. But the distinction is it's available cash to these specific enterprises. It's not available to be used outside of these respective enterprise funds. That is correct, but it's not restricted for specific purpose is what I'm getting at. Okay, that's a, that's a fair distinction, but I think it's important that from a commission standpoint, we understand what that number is because yeah, that goes directly into our thinking about whether or not CIP is getting executed in accordance with the schedule and the expectations that we have. Yeah, and I see your point there, and I think, you know, I think just, I think it is important to highlight that the reason for the change was to demonstrate um, the, that the reserves are now being accounted for accurately in, on the accounting books, whereas historically um, they had not been. And I appreciate that greater specificity. I'm just asking for perhaps a, a, a different level of clarity, particularly if we're just going to see the numbers at this, you know, very high level. Thank you. You're welcome. Who would like to speak next? Uh, Robert McCord. Uh, uh, Mr. Kunz, um, I have uh, appreciate your presentation truly. Um, and I went back to your presentation in February of this year to compare the, the PowerPoint slides and presentations. And there's, I don't know if it's just, well, the numbers are different in the different categories. Um, and I'm sure there's, I, I'm sure you've explained that as you went through this. Um, if I had to. Yes, yeah, so. One example, if I might, if you go to item number three. Um, all right, so we got a cash reserve uh, as shown. And then I went back, I, I think it was the same slide back in February. And I, I have to tell you, I don't have that slide right in front of me, but I made a mm -hmm. notation that um, the reserve back then was shown as like $78 million. Perhaps I've misinterpreted. Um, well, and if you look, um, the reserve was not shown at $78 million. Like I said, it would, that was just basically the cash on hand that was shown um, because the reserve had not been accurately recorded historically. And that oh. was kind of the one, one of the things that was discovered as we were um, diving into you know, the, the water and wastewater numbers a little bit more last year as we started the refinancing process. Um, that it was actually inaccurate to say that the, you know, basically we, we could say we had the cash to meet the reserve policy, but technically we were not meeting the reserve policy. Okay, uh, there's some other slides that I think have the same issue, and I think you've probably given us more current information, so I have no further questions. Thank you so much. Well, I'll jump in. I have one question. If we could go to uh, just go to the wastewater slide budget versus expenditures. So it's, it's and, and please uh, forgive my ignorance if I don't quite understand this, but what happens to the Delta essentially between the budget and the expenditures since, um, I'm, I'm gonna relate this to the rates. Are the rates, were the rates set 
to accomplish or have sufficient funds for the budgeted amount? And if so, what happens to that delta, that, that money that's collected but not expended? Yes, um, and so like I said, you know, the, the rates are set to meet the needs of the water and wastewater systems, right? Like I said, like I mentioned, you know, there, there are various different contracts, um, especially on the water side, where we have contractual obligation, you know, maximum contractual obligations for various different water purchases. So we budget the full amount of those contracts, right? We budget for contingencies in our pumping, for contingencies in our utility uses, for contingencies in our chemicals, right? So, so you know, it's a, a very prudent and commonplace practice to budget for these contingencies and include those. Um, and so basically what, basically kind of high level summary is what you're seeing is, you know, there's these contingencies built in the contracts, there's contingencies built into all these different items, you know, and we, we're not, you know, we don't ever have knock on wood, right? That, that perfect, the year where there's that perfect storm where we're needing to use all of our contingencies. I said, and that, like I said, produces operational savings, um, but really, and that's money that, um, you know, when you look at the CIP, you know, I think all the, all the, you know, ongoing commissioners are very aware of this, that the, you know, the decisions in this rate study and prior rate studies have not been to fully fund all the CIPs projects, right? And so there's this long slew, a list of projects that, you know, like I said, are, are waiting for funding um, that are, you know, need to be done to maintain and operate the system efficiently. Like I said, and so as there's operational savings, it just means that there's more needed projects that can get done. So those savings, for example, the 3 million that I heard earlier, they're essentially carried over into the next fiscal year and available to fund projects or new projects, existing projects that either didn't have sufficient funding or new projects. Basically, you're right. The, the, so the funding for you know water and wastewater CIP comes from the operational funds, right? You know, sometimes there may be budgeted transfers built in, but other times, right? You know, so if the, you know, if the, you know, by default, right, the kind of the, the money kind of falls to that kind of, you know, unassigned cash or whatever we might call it, right? Um, you know, so kind of, you know, falls down to kind of the, hey, this is the money we have at the end of the year, right? But basically, you know, in, in practicality, the most thing that's used, the thing that's useful most frequently is to fund those needed CIP projects. But ultimately, you do want to reduce the amount of delta. I mean, I'll just tell you from perception, and so, even as a manager in public works and, and public works projects that I manage, you, you don't want to have too much delta because it's essentially you're asking for more money and you're under expending um, over time. So, so it's my a perception issue, perhaps. My professional opinion um, is that we do not have a situation where we have too much of a delta in either wastewater or water. Like I said, really, you know, you know, when you're looking at it, you know, like I said, it's you know, the it, you know, there there's there's reasonable contingencies, you know, typically contingencies around five percent or so on these various line items. You know, obviously, we need to budget for you know various different contractual amounts because if we have to pay the whole contractual amount, as you know, I think you know, um, out of all the departments um, in the city, you know, I can tell you that water and wastewater is one of the ones that pays the most attention to their budget. And what they ask for, and they're one of the most careful with their budget. And I don't, by any means, think that you know there's any additional increase or fluff, you may call it, in their requests. Thank you. Appreciate the responses. Other commissioner questions? Okay, uh, I believe this is a um, 
proceed and file. Is that correct? We need a, a vote or a roll call on this item. That was just receive and file. No votes necessary. Okay, very good. Well, uh, thank you, Mr. Coon. And then if you want real quick, I do have the numbers for the transfers or I can just sure. give them next time. Well, so. if you have something available. Yes. Um, okay. So let me filter my sheet by fund first so I can kind of, um, so looking at fund 52 first, so looking at water, um, there's, There's a um, total of $820,000 going from the general fund or going from the water fund to the general fund. Um, you know, there's a little bit, there's $135,000 going to um, gas tax kind of related to um, various different um, safety projects and kind of repairs kind of freighted from various different safety projects. Um, but like I said, there's, you know, there's, you know, hundred of the, of the money going to the general fund, about 189,000 for the four water engineers that were added about two and a half years ago. Um, and then there's about, um, you know, 632,000 for, um, like I said, kind of all the other um, items in the, in the general fund. You know, so for your, your finance support, the accounting system, the HR system, um, kind of all those support services. So, and then in the wastewater fund, um, there is There's a um, you know, 3.7 million dollar transfer going to wastewater CIP. Um, there's there's about 485 thousand dollars going to the general fund, 90 thousand dollars going to the, basically the streets fund, um, and then there's about. 4 million that goes to the water fund for the administrative split for the cost of those administrative uh, functions. I'm sorry, that trailed off. Could you say that again? So there is about $4 million going from water to wastewater. I mean, from, my bad, wastewater to water for the, to split the cost of the, of the administrative functions of Ventura water. And included in that you have things like the, like I said, the Ventura water, water operations team. One thing, um, that did occur this year regarding the transfers is that, for example, um, you, know, you you all, all are very familiar with um, with Miles Hogan, one of the city attorneys. Historically, his his um, he was paid for via transfers, but with the budget this year, we actually changed that to where he directly codes his time. And you know, there was really we really looking at. What we we're doing citywide, there was a mixed bag of how we would address situations like that. You know, some people we'd handle in transfer, some would directly code. Um, and so it was more just moving to a hey citywide. Um, like I said, where it makes sense like that, um, let's just directly code um, and clean it up so we don't have all these uh, miscellaneous transfers and we can reduce 
try to reduce um, transfers where possible. Suzanne, this was your question, so I just want to make sure you're that you're. Are you good? Great, thanks. Yeah, Chairman Hubner. Yeah. Can you, can you hear me, Bob Rager? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, may I ask a question? Of course. Okay, uh, Mr. Coons, I'm going back to your staff report here under discussion on item four. It says expenses are projected to be 3.2 million below the revised budget. And then underneath it says these savings are anticipated in operation and maintenance expenses. It says lower than budgeted utility and, and chemical usage. Uh, why is that? Why is it? Uh, why is that lower? Yeah, like, like I mentioned um, previously, you know, especially when we're talking about chemicals, utility usage, pumping costs, you know, we're always looking to include reasonable contingencies. And there's also certain contractual obligations, right? You know, we have you know, we have some contractual obligations to budget to meet our contractual needs. Now, often years, you know, for various contracts, we don't actually end up needing to pay out that maximum amount, um, but we still budget for that maximum amount. Okay, so it's really not uh, contributed to uh, operation. In other words, you're not treating less. Correct. You know, I mean, with the caveat is like, you know, there, there are fluctuations, there are natural fluctuations in the system. Sure. Um, for both water and wastewater. Okay. Um, but it's not like, hey, we're going to, you know, you know, things are getting out of wastewater to lower quality or, you know, we're, we're adding less chemicals. You know, it, it is, like I said, just based off of required usages based off the demands of the system. Okay. And, and okay, I might, that was all. And um, I might interject real quick. One of the things, too, that um, you need to think about is, so for instance, Fox Canyon GMA, um, we pay those fees every six months. So you have not seen those yet um, on the budget. So that's some of the information that, you know, depending on where, who we pay and when we pay, that also will fluctuate the budget. So when Michael comes back in six months, some of this stuff will be trued up. I have one quick question um, for Mr. Coons. Do you actually break out and identify the costs uh, that come out of the 52 and the 51 budget that goes back in the general fund where we can actually see what that is uh, for the variety of service provided and what those services are? Um, there's, like I said, there's a whole model that goes into kind of the indirect cost transfers. Uh, but yes, there's details available on that. Like I said, it is. For a non-financial person, you get lost in the information, but there's there's ways to create some summaries. Should we be aware of what that cost is? Just and I just gave you the aggregate cost numbers, um, right? But yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, we can work on it. I can definitely put that into a sheet that can be emailed out so you kind of, you know, have it because it is, you know, often times, like I said, you're not gonna remember maybe numbers that I, that I shared with you now unless you were writing them down in the moment. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Uh, I just had one last night. Um, as you know, Mr. Coons, I have uh, inquired about the uh, estuary accounting, and I know you've said that that'll be available when you do your um, audited audit. Um, can you tell me when that might be? 
Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we anticipate wrapping up the audit in the coming weeks and we'll be reporting back to city council in January. And after that, um, to my next presentation to the commission, I will I'll have those numbers. Thank you. Uh, before we, oh, thank you um, again, Mr. Coons, for, for the presentation and the, the comments. I, I need to double check and make sure we don't have any members of the public that want to uh, participate in this item or have any public comments. Thank Amanda? you, Chair, um, Chair Hickner. It's actually Tracy Ayler. Um, we have no oh. public speakers on this item. Okay, thank you, Tracy. All right, with that, I will say we will move on to now item number four. This is our capital improvement projects update. Um, Susan, who will be doing the presentations and in, in which order today? Sure. So um, Betsy Cooper, our assistant general manager of water resources, will be giving the AMI and the state water interconnect project updates. And then Linda Szymanski, our Venture Water Peer Program Director will be given the Venture Water Peer update. Welcome, Betsy. Welcome, Linda. All right, thank you. So I get to go first and talk about the Advanced Meter Infrastructure Project. So next slide, please. So this project includes replacing our manual read meters, um, which are also commonly referred to as smart meters. Um, and we have over 32,000 meters being replaced. And as a quick overview, um, smart meters provide a wireless communication between the meter at your home or business and um, Ventura Water. So customers' water use information is uh, sent daily using a radio frequency wave, similar to the wires, wireless communications used by um, cell phones and Wi-Fi routers. So once the water use information is within the city's secured uh, firewall, the information is matched up with customer accounts for billing and other customer service activities. So we also have a new customer portal called WebConnect that allows customers to access usage reports online. And I will talk about that further. So next um, slide, please. So the status and project benefits. So this project started in uh, 2016 and it is about 97% complete. So we're getting close. Um, unfortunately, the last 3% is harder than the, you know, middle or first 3%. We are, are to the, some of the harder, harder, but we are getting there. Um, so we are now collecting a lot more data with these meters. Uh, for every meter we used to, uh, with the old meters, we used to collect one data point every two months. And now for um, every meter, we collect 24 data points every day. So we are still working through ways to best manage all this data, but it is good um, for both the city and customer. So some benefits, um, enhancing customer service, uh, we now have more information to assist customers, ability to catch problems, particularly leaks earlier. Um, we have a water conservation group that will perform customer water surveys upon request and staff can help customers by reviewing their hourly water use patterns and suggest ways to conserve water. Um, as far as water savings, the biggest water savings is the ability to detect leaks faster. Um, customers can set up leak notifications through the WebConnect portal 
In addition, um, staff does run continuous usage reports, which is an indication of a leak. And they can um, investigate and alert the customer door hangers if a leak is detected. Um, and the Web Connect portal can ident identify water savings opportunities with personalized recommendations. And there's providing um, near real-time water use data. Um, with Web Connect, customers have uh, access to hourly water use data, so customers can proactively monitor their water consumption. And uh, this project has also um, allowed us to facilitate tr um, the transition to monthly billing, which is um, a benefit to customers. Um, if you're getting a monthly bill versus bi-monthly, it is easier to budget for and easier to change water use habits. And lastly, I listed here uh, enables meeting new state reporting requirements. So starting next year, the Department of Water Resources is requiring that monthly water use data be reported, whereas in the past we only reported yearly data. So this is a big benefit. Um, so one commonly asked question, and it was actually asked by one of the water commissioners prior to the meeting, is what is happening to the meter readers? So um, I want to address this question. Um, we have four positions that are assigned to meter reading and customer service and maintenance uh, responsibilities that are related to meters um, and billing. And so we have a utility service lead worker and we have three utility service representatives that work under the lead. These four positions are still needed. Um, some of the work duties have not changed. So such as turning on and off meters for, for things like move in and move outs, um, hanging late payment notices, leak notifications, and meter maintenance. Um, as I mentioned earlier, now we have a tremendous amount of data and managing that data is now a critical component of these positions. So the lead worker is really becoming more of an office job and a data analyst. Um, creating and analyzing continuous usage data and zero usage reports and creating work orders for the utility service representatives. And um, I kind of think of the meter readers now as meter technicians um, with some of the same customer service responsibilities. Um, and there will always be some meters that need to be continue will need to continue to be manually read for various reasons. And uh, lastly, transitioning monthly billing has also created more work for this group. So they are busy. No positions were eliminated. Just some of the duties have changed. So um, I am going to uh, conclude this presentation with a two and a half minute video that our staff put together on WebConnect portal. And while this video gets loaded, I think Amanda is going to load it. Um, I wanted to acknowledge um, staff. Uh, there was a lot of staff that worked on this project or um, that this project impacts on a day-to-day -day basis, but I wanted to single out um, Grant White. I know he's listening. Um, he took over this role as project manager in December uh, when our current project manager resigned. And I did have a little bit of a panic attack because that project manager had been um, involved in the project since the start. Um, but Grant, um, came in, he's done an outstanding, outstanding job coordinating with the contractor, distribution staff, utility billing staff, and troubleshooting when there um, are problems. So I just wanted to point out Grant, uh, Grant's um, contributions to this project and taking us to the finish line. So with that, um, 
instead of me talking about the Web Connect portal, I thought this video was a better way to show it. So um, you can go ahead and it's two and a half minutes. Ventura Water is proud to introduce the new WebConnect user portal, now available to all Ventura Water customers. With WebConnect, residents have instant access to view and pay bills, analyze and manage water consumption, and create service requests from any device. To access WebConnect, click on the icon and enter your MyVentura Water user credentials. If you do not have existing login credentials, click on the Sign Up Now button and complete the registration form. The new WebConnect dashboard gives customers a quick overview of account details, alerts such as leak events, current balance, and recent account activity. Customers can access and change profile preferences by clicking on the Profile tab on the left side of the dashboard. Here you can update information, link additional accounts to the username, set up notification preferences, and invite guests to view your online account. To access billing-related information, use the Bills and Payments and the Transaction tabs. Bills and Payments give customers instant access to current bills, previous bills, and options to make an online payment. Click on the Transactions tab to review and download previous payments. The new WebConnect customer portal provides customers with the tools to easily understand and manage their water consumption. Click on the Build Usage tab to view build readings and charges from the past 24 months. Here, customers can download reports for both water and sewer readings. For a more detailed look into water usage, click on the Smart Meter tab. From here, customers have complete access to daily and hourly water use data. Finally, compare build usage to previous months or years by clicking on the Compare tab. Analyze how and why your water usage changes and learn ways to help reduce your monthly consumption. Customers can now submit online service requests by clicking on the tab and completing the relevant self-serve form. Service requests from the past year can be viewed under the Request History tab. WebConnect's intuitive platform makes managing your Ventura Water account easy. For more information, visit VenturaWater.net. Okay, so that concludes that presentation and um, I'm open to any questions that you might have on the project. Nicely done on the video, by the way. I do have a question. This is Susan Mulligan. Yes, Can you hear me okay? Okay, thanks. But I'm the one that asked about the staffing and I, I guess I still don't understand. What I heard you say is that so there were three or four people who were going around reading meters all the time before. One has turned into an administrative position doing something with the extra data and the other three are doing door tags and shutoffs, but they were doing that before. So I'm I'm still just confused. I mean, there were there were a lot of there were three or four full-time positions doing meter reading. What exactly are they doing that that didn't need to be done before or is providing additional value? What tasks are those? I'm just not understanding. Well, like I said, the meter lead now is is doing more of the um um 
data analytics, like I said, so, so you understand that then the other three are still so well, I don't actually. I don't really understand data analytics. So what's what's he doing with the data that's helpful, that's useful, that's that's come out of this project that's providing value? Yeah, so there's a couple things. There's continuous uh, usage reports, which is an indicated indication of a leak. And so um, and it's with 32,000 meters, there's um, I think when he pulls a report, it's over a thousand. And, and some of those are, are like maybe a hospital that is just going to be a continuous use anyway. But anyway, so there's there's the continuous use reports um, that have to go. You go through the data and um, to to uh, find out, you know, if, if there is a potential leak. Um, then there's um, also the zero consumption reports, and those are um, an indication that meter is not working. So if if there's zero usage, there has to be some troubleshooting that goes along with why is it not reading? Um, is is it a problem with the meter? Is, is it not trans uh, transmitting properly? So the meter readers do need to go out and check the meters and see why it's not. Maybe there's a wall in the way. There's something that goes on. And then there's those meters that just for whatever physical reason, you're just going to have to go out and read. Um, there are going to be some people. It, it looks like a, a few, but we um, are generating an opt out policy that um, for. Um, personal reason might want to opt out. So those meters will still need to be read. Um, so those are. Mm -hmm. I, I, um, so it's kind of like they're, they're troubleshooting a lot of the issues that we're having on a day to day basis. Plus, um, we've gone to monthly billing. So that is, so we, we bill every month now. So when there's, um, late payments and right now we've actually been surviving because, um, we haven't had any shutoffs. So it, it's, um, the governor's order, um, to not allow shutoffs during this time is kind of is helping us at least transition into this um, monthly billing. But once we start doing shutoffs again, there's um, going to be um, a lot of additional work to in um, um, you know set it with the with the customers that that uh, we need to tag for shutoffs that are unable to pay. So hopefully that answers. I know we have Trey on the. On the phone too, that um, is going to give the last presentation on rearages, and she she does she is our utility billing supervisor that oversees this group. So I don't know if there's anything more um, she might want to add um, to it, or if you have any other questions. Sure. So I will. Yeah, say I appreciate. Go ahead. Um, yeah, so please. You are, are correct. So the the. Utility uh, services workers, um, in addition to reading meters, there are other field work that they do. Um, and one of the things that we have found with the deployment of the AMI meters is that um, now the usage uh, to the customer and to us, there are is much more visible. And so they're spending more time out in the field, just um, building customer confidence as well as, uh, as well as our confidence in the usage and the consumption that's there. So prior to when we had the legacy meters in the field, um, once we received the read, if there was something that was out of range or abnormal, it was after the fact. 
they are now uh, working in a proactive manner, monitoring the usage of beforehand and then going out to do the meter inspections. In addition to reading meters, they are also, uh, they also troubleshoot. They uh, make meter repairs, uh, safety issues out in the field with, um, with lids such as that. So there's more than just reading the meters that they're doing. They have always done all of these jobs and they will continue to read meters and, and handle the safety issues and things like that. Now, uh, the reports that Betsy was referring to are the reports that are generated from the AMI meters that show that there could be um, an issue in the, uh, in the field with the meter or the amount of usage uh, coming, uh, that there's a potential leak. So they're going out now um, and investigating those prior to the customer getting um, a bill that's, you know, that's high or uh, they're, they're showing that there's zero consumption, which could be an indicator that the meter is not working um, properly or that there's no use. So they have switched, their job has transitioned. Um, so that's what they were doing in a reactive mode is now more proactive based on the feedback we get from the AMI meters. So are, would you say that these meters have allowed you to catch things like leaks or meters that aren't running that provide, you know, a water savings benefit or a, you know, billing benefit? Yeah. I would say um, yes, that they have. Okay. So, so they're, so that's what they're doing. They're they're working on leaks and being more proactive. I, okay, that that's that's a much better explanation. Thank you. Thanks, Trey. I thought there was another commissioner that wanted to. Wanted to uh, Susan, I've Robert. got a question. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. Oh, quite all right. Go ahead. Uh, okay, now I just wanted to comment. Uh, I live in a large apartment complex and I was chatting with our uh, building manager and she brought up to me that the city water department had contacted her because they saw that there was a continual use, a continual 24 hour a day uh, water use that indicated a leak. Uh, so that indicated to me that in fact, the new metering was working and that uh, something like that could have easily gone undetected. And these buildings, some of them are older, they're, they're quite old and <laughs> there are pipe leaks. It's a frequent occurrence. So um, it seemed that was, um, that was working appropriately. Appreciate that. That's all, just a comment. Bob McCord. Uh, yes, I, I thought I would just share a personal experience in support of what the, the presenters have just said. Um, and I'm speaking as a personal experience. Um, first, uh, apartment buildings, for example, um, received notification that water usage had changed from overnight from the daytime. And uh, a gentleman from Ventura Water got in touch with me. And of course we checked these apartments. And of course the big culprit in some of them would be toilets, for example, toilet tanks. 
and um, of course we went into every one of them and they, they really were really on the spot with it and I was really impressed with that. So we checked the tanks and we look at them and nope, doesn't look like anything's leaking into the bowl. So then he gave me these little packets of dye, which we put into the tank and waited about 10 minutes and 15 minutes and lo and behold, half of them were leaking. And the way, that, the way they came to that alert was the data they'd received at, at uh, based on the new meters. And, and I was really impressed with that. And so I've become a, a devotee of the process. And I would encourage, I, I think you're on the right track. I need to hand out more dye packets and do a little more education. That's about all I have to say. Thanks, Bob. Other commission commissioners? Yeah, this, this is Bob Breaker. I'd like to ask Ms. Cooper a question. Okay. Um, is there, or at the start of this project, was it intended to have all the staff there, or were you going to reduce staff after this project was implemented? Um, I guess I'm not sure the answer to that. Um, I wasn't here at the very, I kind of got handed off this project halfway through, but that is a good question. Um, I have talked to, just to let you know, I have talked to other agencies because I was just curious on um, um, overall if if they saw a decrease in, in um, um, you know, staff due to AMI and this, they have, the, the agencies I talked to had this, exact same experience we're having is is it has created a lot of work and they have not re reduced their staff because of it so i'm not sure if that was the intent though um commissioner brager or not okay um and then uh and then because a lot of uh, you know a lot of these uh, you know manufacturers and consultants when they want to sell the product they always say oh you know we can you can if you implement this product uh you'll be able to save uh you know, in staff time and such. And I was just wondering if that, in fact, was part of the, you know, the deal. Uh, and, uh, I, and you probably don't know, and, and that's fine, that's fine. Yeah, I, I'm not sure, but, uh, you know, I do know the original staff reports talked about more. We needed to upgrade our meters anyway. Yeah. So, um, and, and we knew this new reporting was going to be required by the state. And sure. there's just a lot of other benefits for, with these meters. Um, right. So, I, I, I don't know if it was a selling point, but um, I, I think that this was the right way to go regardless. Okay. So, so and, I can... one, other, one other question, if you would mind, uh, was, or uh, it, it says uh, one of the things that improve accuracy or the leak detection notification. Now, I know they're only 97% installed and, and the system's not totally installed yet. And so, but have you found the ones that have been installed, have you found leaks already? Yes. You have? Yeah, there have <laughs> been, been people's property that have had leaks, or we, we found things on our side, too, uh -huh. where we went to change meters. And and what kind of savings is there, you know, overall, currently in the overall project? I know it's probably hard to determine, but at this time, because you're not done with it. I mean, since they've been installed, have they saved, I don't know, 5% of the water? Of, we, you know, you know we have, yeah, we actually have done some calculations. Um, what 
kind of complicated um, the calculations a little bit was um, COVID <laughs> because of, you know, <laughs> because water use trends just change. You know, we had more people staying at home and, and um, some of the less less people during at least in 2020. So when we right. tried to compare like uh, 2019 data to 2020 data, the same meter, it was hard to um, compare. The other thing that's kind of um, not meter um, related is weather impact. So we have been in um, a drought this year, we had very little rain. So of course you're gonna use more water. So, but um, what we did do is we ended up, you know, just to try to get a feel for it, we ended up comparing water use of AMI meters versus non-AMI meters for the calendar years of 2019 and um, 2021. So we took out, um, or of, Looking at 2019, um, where it was not COVID related versus 2021, and I guess it's still COVID related, but I know we compared kind of before uh, the years, um, comparing the usage um, of, and I've got to remember exactly what we did, but we, we compared water uses of AMI, any AMI meter that was, um, installed versus uh, a non-AMI meter for residential uses. And we kind of did an estimate based on that and came up that we were saving a little over 450 acre feet per year um, based on the water savings. And that is something we actually calculated um, for a grant we got too. Um, so that's about what, what the best we could do to estimate it, but there is a lot of variables and it is hard to estimate. Yeah. Oh. I think that uh, this is a good project and you, I think, you know, you're close to finishing. I think you're going to finish it next month or and uh, I mean, uh, next couple of months or so. I think it's a good project and I think over the years, it's a very good way to, to, uh, you know, save, you know, save water. So, and track it actually. So, thank you very much, uh, Ms. Cooper. Thank you. Betsy, can you can you tell me what the total cost of this project is, including any interest or in their bonding or debt that occurred? I, I really I really struggle a little still with the cost benefit. Um, um, with the, the questions project, that Commissioner Mulligan raised earlier. So the, the project itself is going to come in under fourteen million. Um, we did budget seventeen million, so it actually came under what we had. Um, um, budgeted for it, um, but more than half of that had been estimated that we were going to need to replace the meters anyway. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of that cost we would have had to incur anyway, getting purchasing the old meters. Half the amount for new replacement meters or, or new Yeah, meters. about half for replacement meters. Thank and you. And I do want to point out, Commissioner um, or Chair, we did get a grant for this too. Um, we did, when we talked about doing this, we were going to just re basically repurpose um, positions. We weren't going to get rid of anybody at the time. Um, and one of the, the good benefits I think that people see is, especially probably the billing staff, they get people calling saying, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't use this water. And we can look at that and see where, you know, four to 5 a.m. you actually, there was water use. And then they recall, oh yeah, I forgot to reset my irrigation or my gardener didn't redo it when the power shutoff came on. So there have been some, you know, just 
uh, more information out there to, to help with the customers. Of course, certainly. Any other commissioners have questions on, on this portion of this item? Thank you, Betsy. Do you, are you going to do the, you're gonna do the next one, great. Yes, I get to do the next one. <laughs> so um, yes, so this is an update on the state water interconnection project. So next slide, please. Okay, so most of you have seen this slide before, but um, I've included this map again, um, showing an overview of the state water interconnection project, mainly for our new commissioner, Brager. Um, and also just as a quick refresher for others. So um, this project consists of a pipeline, approximately seven miles in length, used to transport water between Cayugas and the city of Ventura's distribution systems. Um, our state water allocation would be wheeled through Metropolitan Water District and Cayugas's distribution systems. And the pipeline would connect to Cayugas's system in the western portion of the city of Camarillo and to the city of Ventura's system on the east side of the city. So um, a couple items to point out. Um, the pipeline would be designed to flow from both uh, Cayugas to the city of Ventura, as well as from the city to Cayugas. And it could be used to supply water to Cayugas during an imported water supply outage. And the dashed line is the portion of the pipeline that Cayugas will construct, own and operate. The solid line is the portion that the city will take the lead in constructing, owning and operating with Concedus uh, sharing the cost. And the transfer of ownership is at Santa Clara Avenue. So next slide. Okay, so um, some of the significant design tasks completed. First of all, the city did um, execute a design agreement in back in May of 2020 with Stantec and this uh, sub-consultants or HDR is designing a portion of the pipeline, um, Frugrove for the geotechnical, Bennett tech, Trenchless Engineers for the uh, Santa Clara River Crossing. And I also want to mention, I think he should be on the uh, on this meeting, but Greg Knutson um, is um, works in our, he's the senior uh, civil engineer in our public works department, and he's actually the design, uh, project manager for the design contract. So if you have any tricky design questions for me tonight, I might defer to Greg, but. Um, I'm sorry, Betsy, because you, what, how did you pronounce his last name? Knudsen, it's oh, with a K-K-N-U-D-S-O-N. Oh, Greg Knudsen. Knudsen. Yeah, Knudsen, but <laughs> silent K. All right, thank you. Um, so um, an EIR addendum was approved by city council in July. Uh, two items that had not been count contemplated in the EIR included some geotechnical borings in the river that were needed for design of the river crossing. And there was an old, there's an old dump site um, that's um, a closed Satakoy landfill that's loaded, located just uh, north of the Santa Clara River and that hadn't been contemplated in the EIR either. So there was an addendum done to include those items. Um, um, we also, um, to date, have obtained all necessary right of entry agreements that are needed for design tasks. Uh, the alignment 
in the unincorporated area of Ventura County is mainly within dirt roads of private property and egg land. So uh, right of entry agreements were required to install the survey panels, uh, geotechnical borings, environmental and field surveys, and other um, pre-construction investigations. So it looks like we'll have five private property um, permanent easements in five private properties that will be needed probably need two additional um, for construction easements. Um, so the next item is the geotechnical borings. So this is the most invasive design field work. Um, most, um, but not all have been completed, but the most critical um, were completed, including three borings that were completed last month in the Santa Clara River. Um, we also conducted aerial survey, utility research, the pipe loop testing was um, completed. I know last update, I showed some pictures of that. It consisted of about six months of testing um, in which we conducted, uh, conducted with different blending ratios of city and Cayugas water. And the results will be used to recommend how to um, condition the state water prior to blending with city water. And then we also had um, initial discussions with Cayugas regarding uh, the connection at Santa Clara Avenue. Next slide, please. So just to show you that some field work. <laughs> so this is the dr drill rig in, in the Santa Clara River. Um, so um, um, basically this happened, we, uh, 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 we took soil, Soil, soil samples were taken down, down to a depth of about 150 feet. You can see the soil samples at the um, side there. Um, anyway, so that was an accomplishment. Next slide. So um, some of the tasks that are in progress right now, um, the consultants preparing the preliminary design report. Um, they're preparing base maps for the um, design plans. Um, there are some remaining geotechnical borings and ground surveys. Um, there's three remaining south of the river. They're scheduled for November. Uh, we have a water quality and blending technical memorandum that's being worked in an hydraulic analysis. So next slide. So some of the critical next steps. Um, so we've talked about the Army Corps 408 permit um, that is required. Um, so, uh, and it, it is a long lead time. Um, we do have a meeting with the county scheduled for this week and the geotechnical engineer is working on final boring logs to be provided to the design team to start design of the crossing. And so um, they are working on, uh, they will be working on getting the design package together for um, the Army Corps permit. Also, um, the phase two assessment, like I indicated, there is that old dump site. We have met with the county and Department of Drinking Water um, and have to conduct a phase two assessment to better define the limits of the landfill. Um, Stantec has provided a draft work plan for the phase two field work um, that um, I think we've submitted it to the county, but they need to approve it. Um, and then borings will be required as part of the two phase two assessment that's scheduled for early 2022. Um, so I talked about completion of the preliminary design report. Um, some of the project challenges I've discussed the old dump site, 
um, right of entry agreements. There luckily hasn't been any opposition from any of the owners, um, but you're dealing with owners and tenants and attorneys and <laughs> it has taken a bit of time, but um, Hamner and Jewel is a consultant. They're a real estate consulting firm and they're um, been guiding us in this process and they're great to work with. Um, and then we also performed one of the challenges, geotechnical borings to avoid strawberry season. So we had a very narrow window in July to get in there after the harvest and before the um, new crops were um, planted. So that was a little um, something unusual for a project that I've worked on before. Uh, and then, of course, getting the permits um, for the geotechnical borings in the river and um, working around the um, some of the biological, the nesting season. Um, we had to wait till September to get in there. Okay, okay. next slide. So um, in February, we um, presented the draft construction operation interagency agreement um, to you, which um, you recommended, the Water Commission recommended for city council approval with some comments, um, pending approval by the other agencies, which is Casitas, Cayugas, and uh, um, United. Shortly thereafter, we did find out that Casitas had shifted their design funds from this project um, to a project that would provide um, an interconnection through Santa Barbara. And they weren't in a position to commit their, to their financial obligations laid out as they were laid out in the agreement. So to date, the agreement hasn't been signed um, by any of the agencies and Casitas staff has indicated um, they are interested in both connections. Um, so just kind of as a review, this pipeline would enable uh, Casitas to re receive their deliveries through an in-lieu arrangement, which means that when Casitas uh, requests their state water allocations, the city would use that allocation in lieu of taking water from Lake Casitas. Um, the Casitas board has asked for more information regarding the in-lieu arrangement um, from their staff. And Casitas staff has indicated they will be holding a special board meeting on November 10th to discuss this. So that's where we sit with that interagency agreement. Um, next, the uh, Seawind lawsuit. Um, an environmental uh, group did submit a lawsuit against the EIR for this project. Um, basically, they are a group that is against state water project in general. In um, April, there was a court hearing. Um, in June, we received the judge's decision, which ruled in our favor. However, in September, we received a notice of appeal by CWIN. So, um, unfortunately, the saga continues. Um, the next steps are for uh, CWIN to file um, an opening brief, which probably won't happen until December or January. We would then um, file a respondent's brief, and then CWIN will submit a reply brief and we'll go from there. So um, so that's unfortunate news. Um, okay, but some good news. Because <laughs> um, Cayugas was going to um, wait um, to start their design. And uh, they were waiting for the interagency agreement to be signed. However, um, they um, um, have, they did um, a recently approve an agreement with a design consultant and are getting started on their design. 
Um, one reason for that is we are more apt to get selected for a grant um, the closer you're off from being shovel ready on the project. Um, and um, we both want to be in a position to take advantage of grants for this project. Um, the, the city of Ventura was earmarked for a $2.8 million federal grant for the project. We we'll, don't know what will come of that, but um, at least that's um, a potential. And we're also looking at submitting um, the project um, with Cayugas as part of the next round of Prop 1 funding. And there's, um, you know, a lot of grants out there talked about right now. So we are keeping our eye out. We have consultants looking for us too. And um, we, we hope to uh, take up opportunities of grant projects. This is a, a providing an interconnection um, and uh, a, being an interagency project is, um, you know, is, is something good that grants are looking for. So uh, we should be, hopefully it's a good project for that. And with that, I conclude my update. And if there's any questions, Okay, I would thank you, Betsy. Um, I'm sure there are. I know I have a few, but I'll uh, let the other commissioners weigh in first. This is Jim. Um, the, when we place this pipeline in these five different private properties, will that be a permanent utility easement or will it be a one time place the pipe <clears throat> and we're out of there? It's, a, it's a, an easement. Yeah, permanent easement. Thanks, Betsy. Thank you. I have, I have a question, Bob Brager. Go ahead. Okay. Um, the, 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 I guess there was a um, a study on the uh, on the alignment for this uh, for this pipeline, and is that is that uh, alignment? What if you? I'm just wondering, what if they run into problems of some sort? Is that going to is there any cushion there to change that alignment? Sure. Um, you know, if if we have to make some changes, little tweaks here and there, as long as as um, you know it's still within the um, conditions laid out in the EIR, um, you can still have minor modifications here or there if it doesn't trigger any um, additional environmental um, issues. Um, and if it does, we would have to amend the EIR. Okay. And uh, uh, relative to design, uh, how deep is this pipeline going to be uh, below the below the river there? Good question, and I'm not sure. Okay. <laughs> okay. That will be a next update. So you you can uh, yeah. Okay. Now that they have the borings and all, um, um, but I don't have a good answer for that. Okay, because so one of the things that uh, I think I remember somewhere, I don't know, maybe it was in the, in the, on the Ventura River, that uh, there was, I think there was some issues with scouring and such. So it's got to be obviously considerably below the scouring depth and such. And that, that'll be obviously analyzed during the design and such. Do you also know, have any idea what the pipe size would be? It's um, roughly. It's likely going to be around 30 inches, um, anywhere before between 24 and 36 inches. Okay, um, now there, there were going to be there was two pipelines, right? 
one going one way, one going the other? No, just one pipeline. Just one. Okay. Okay, so about 30. So if, uh, is there any contingencies on, you know, well, if you need more, you might be might have to increase this pipe size or? Um, pretty much what's dictated. This is a very kind of interesting hydraulic situation we have um, uh -huh. in that um, Cayuse has two different pressure zones um, that we'll be connecting to. Right. So when um, we connect to the higher pressure zone, when water's transported from Cayugas to the city of Ventura and it can be gravity fed. Likewise, we can um, um, connect to the lower pressure zone um, when we transport water from Ventura to Cayugas, um, and there's no pumping involved on this project, which is is interesting um, and unusual. So, so that's a, that was a huge benefit to this connection point when we were looking at various connection points. Um, so, to answer your question on pipe size, really, what's going to dictate pipe size is going to be um, the quantity, likely the quantity of water that um, um, we um, are going to gravity flow from the city system to uh, Cayugas' system. And that is part of the agreement is going to be based on 13 CFS. Okay. So likely okay. that will drive the design. We, okay. We're going to want to look at things like it's much less expensive to do a 24 versus a 36 under the river. So, um, you know, they're going to be looking at things that the engineers, um, maybe if we neck down there, what does it mean to the size of the pipe in other areas? Um, and is there it cost beneficial to do that? Things I like see. That. Okay. And one other question was Stantec, the consulting uh, firm Stantec, they were uh, hired to uh, do the, to start the design, I guess? They're, they're the, uh, they're the engineer we have, um, they're the consulting engineer that we have the design contract with to do the entire design. Oh, okay. What, what have they done so far? Um, well, the, this kind of reviewed the pivotal things, but we, it's preliminary, they're in the preliminary designs portion right now. So they've done oh. the aerial survey, they've done, um, you know, the utility research, they've, um, you know, uh, coordinated all the um, geotechnical work that's been done to, point, to this point. They've, um, you know, are looking, they're doing the base mapping, et cetera, for the design of the project. Okay. So coordinating their project managers for it too. So they're Okay, so they're, they're ongoing right now? Yes. Okay. Well, just, I'm just curious, what was the, the cost of that contract? To Stantec, uh, and is yeah. it, and is it going to, is it just for you know like phase one portion of it, or was is it, you indicated it was all the, the whole project? So I'm just kind of curious on what the cost yeah, of the probably, design. We can probably send you Bob the um um the, the admin report. Yeah, yeah, the admin report and the professional service Ooh, agreement. Beautiful, the beautiful. Scope. Yeah, that that would be wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, we can get Appreciate that. To you. All right, no questions. All right. Hey, other commissioners? Nova. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, could you just re review the uh, blending facility and the green dash line that goes to that and then the connection to Ventura's 430 zone and how that works in there? 
does the water first go to the blending facility and then back to the connection? I'm, I'm just not sure at that end point there how that works. This is uh, the general map that you showed. Yeah, um, those are good questions. The way the blending works right now is still to be determined. So we can come back to, with you. They are doing a planning study in the techno. So I, I can't explain it all to you because those details haven't been finalized. Um, but at a future time, we can even have the consultant explain how the blending will occur. But the purple dot there is um, is our existing Satakoy conditioning facility. It's what where we treat well water from the Santa that we pump from the Santa Paula basin. So they are going to be blending at that location um, before um, entering it. And I believe it's going to be two pipelines. That green line will be one one pipeline that goes to the blending facility and then gets the water gets treated and then another pipeline that comes back. But that is all being determined right now how that all works. So would all of the water from the uh, connection with uh, the interconnection pipeline, would all of that water be blended or just some of it? Probably just some of it, but yeah, those details are, are uh, being worked out. Okay. A good question. Thank you. That's it. Okay. Other commissioners? Real quick, what's the 430 zone? Oh, yeah, so um, that's the east side of our city. So our, our city is um, divided into various pressure zones and the number of the zone correlates to the high water of the tank that is uh, serving that zone. So on the east side of the city, um, the, the tanks that serve those zones sit at a hydraulic grade line of, of 430 feet. So basically, if you take that and you subtract it from the elevation, ground elevation, you get the kind of the pressure at that of the location of the okay, water. You're talking elevation. about head pressure above uh, the supply line to the city. Is it head pressure basically? Elevation? It, yeah, elevation is related to pressure. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Other commissioners. Uh, this is this is Bob Breaker. I, I had one last question, and it was kind of a follow up on this. Go ahead. I mean, previous question, uh, Betsy. You indicated that it's going to this this uh, water will be driven by gravity. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yes. Okay. Is it is it going? I was wondering what approximately. You may not know it, but. What what is the pressure on there, and will you have to break it down? We have a like a pressure reducing station at one end or something. Yes, you will. Um, yeah, yeah, because uh, it, depending on there, there will have to be a flow control valve which will break pressure. Okay. So we'll we'll be you know asking for so much flow, and and so the um, I oh gosh, I should know these numbers, but um, the. Kyagas, probably Susan Mulligan knows this, Commissioner Mulligan, but um, the the pressure zone that we're um, connecting to on Kyagas is six, maybe 650, something around there. And ours is a 430 zone. 
Okay. So, um, um, you know, so depending on how much flow is in the pipe, you know, uh, you know, determines the head loss and how much you'd have to break the pressure right. coming to okay. the system. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Sure. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and maybe it'll spur a few other questions. Um, and Betsy, if you can answer them, or or perhaps um, Ms. Rundgren or or Miles. Uh, so you first on your first slide, you had the EIR addendum. Um, as you know, the, the commission reviewed extensively the EIR. I'm I'm a little surprised and maybe a little disappointed that we didn't see the EIR addendum come to the commission at the June meeting. Do you know why? Especially there's some important considerations that came out of that addendum and the information. Uh, I, it was, um, we didn't consider it to be very important. <laughs> um, you know, there, it was just an addendum. It only had to go to city council and it was just a consent item for it. So it didn't trigger any kind of um, environmental um, um, requirements that were above and beyond what was already in the initial um, EIR. So the geotechnical borings in the river, again, there was, there was if there would have been something that triggered um, some mitigation measures that were above and beyond the um, existing EIR, then that would have been a different story. But all the mitigation measures in, in the uh, EIR um, were already covered. So well, I, would, I would just comment that, I mean, and, and you've heard me say this before, I'm a big supporter of this project, wanted to be successful and on track. But as we can see, you know, there's some things that even came out of the information of that. There's some permitting, there's meetings you have to meet with the county. Um, you know, I have a question related to who owns the dump site. Is, is, do you know the ownership of, of the dump site? And, and um, We do know, I think it's an old county dump site, but I could be wrong. I, is Greg on the? Um, it, it's okay. I, I suspect that's that's okay. true. They, they, I worked when I, I worked with the county and they had a burn site dump site on the in Piru that they had to do a phase two investigation and get um, they had to get it closed through the regional board. So um, it can be a complicated thing and I'd hate to see that hold up this project, but um, certainly the county needs to meet its obligations. And if there's any cost involved, they should reimburse the Ventura water as well. Um, another question related to, um, I, I'm disappointed in Casitas. I'll just say uh, you had an agreement. Um, this is important. We're in another serious drought. Um, I don't see the, the lake level improving. Um, I'm hopeful that uh, legal counsel uh, and, and Ventura water staff have a contingency plan. Uh, they're not gonna wait for Casitas to he and haw and, and make a decision either they're gonna be in and out um, I certainly would like to hear by our January meeting uh, what the agreement status and, and if it's not going to move forward, is there contingency to go without them? Um, and, and do we have the financials to to proceed? So uh, I'll just I'll make that comment with a request, you know, to hear back in January and where that agreement is at. And similarly with the lawsuit, perhaps a, a question of is that lawsuit going to hold up? Is there any implications with 
them going to the appellate court and, and holding up uh, potentially this project. So I'll just wait a response perhaps on that one. Miles? Uh, yes, Chair Hubner. At this point, uh, there is no delay in the project caused by uh, the lawsuit. They have not sought any type of preliminary injunction to stop the city's progress on design or anything of that nature. So at this point, um, the lawsuit is not causing um, any delays. Um, we want to resolve it as soon as possible, however, because eventually uh, uh, the city will be considering awarding the construction contract and things of that nature. And we would uh, prefer to have that resolved um, before that time. Okay. So my last one, and this is sort of a, a friendly uh, request, and I uh, would like something a little bit more visual. Uh, I've mentioned a Gantt chart in the past, and, if, uh, and I'm not looking for something very complicated, but sort of a, a progress status report where we can track these various components, whether they be environmental review, permitting, um, design, and then construction, and then ultimately operation and maintenance. It's graphical. Every agency does it, um, and I would like to see that uh, prepared and, and submitted with the commission's support. So I'm making that friendly request because I'm still not clear whether this project is on track for what construction date, um, breaking ground date. And so that's my, my friendly request to the staff tonight. This is Susan. I would find that very helpful too for okay. this and water here. And this is Nova, and I would agree with that as well. Gantt charts are, are very helpful with tracking, making sense of very complicated projects, especially showing critical junctures that uh, we should be aware of. Thanks. This is Bob Brager. I totally agree with. Uh, with the chair on that, that would be wonderful to have. Is this, do I have to, I, I don't really want to make a motion, but I can certainly do that at the end of this item. Does the staff have any response? Is this something they're agreeable to or? or is yeah, we can get you a Gantt chart. Thank you. Um, yeah, yeah, that's something, yeah, we'll talk to the public works um, department about because they are working on these projects and um, we and we can I can provide you with an example, a real no, simple we, example that we can provide you. We can get a Gantt chart. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, those are the uh, the questions that I have. Again, I'm I'm supportive of this project. I want it to succeed. Um, yet, I, I know with any project that's complicated and multiple partners. You know, there's a lot of hiccups and challenges that can happen along the road. So I, I hope you see us as, as assisting you versus, you know, providing additional work. Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, other commissioners have any other comments or questions on this portion of the item? Um, may I? Yes, go ahead. I, I, I don't know that Mr. Hogan can provide an answer to my question, but in the Casitas position on the draft interagency agreement is, um, I'm looking for the proper word, um, 
I say disappointing would be yeah. not quite what I'm thinking at the moment. Disingenuous? Um, I'll just not say anything about that one, but I presume that we have the latitude to proceed without the participation of Casitas, but I am mindful that there's cost sharing in that agreement, as I recall the terms, and uh, that might have an impact that we need to know about. So I presume maybe January is too soon, but I think that's something we need to know. And perhaps the November 10th meeting at Casitas will lead us down the road of how we're going to proceed on this. So maybe and my, I, it's not really a question. I would have added wanting it in December, but we have a, a different item um, and perhaps with our schedule. So I'm going to defer in terms of when we can meet and discuss with that. But All right. So I guess it's more of a comment than a question. Well, you can make your question to to the city attorney, to Miles. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Miles, um, would it be uh, too forward to ask you where we are legally with respect to this agreement? Um, yes, uh, Vice Chairman Ford. So, and, and Betsy, feel free to correct me if I'm in, incorrect here in my numbers. But if you'll recall, the the city's uh, the share for uh, our portion of the pipeline. The estimate was it would be around thirty million dollars, and so with the one third breakdown for Casitas and two third breakdown for the city, the city's share would be twenty million, and Casitas' share would be ten million. And I would just comment that Casitas at this point has not made a final decision, um, as Betsy shared. Um, Ventura Water staff continues to communicate with Casita staff. Um, and so far, their statements have been that they do want to participate in this project as well as the other project they're pursuing. Um, and we look forward to, as Betsy noted, um, their next agenda item uh, where uh, they'll consider next steps uh, for uh, this project as well. Does that uh, answer your question, uh, Vice Chair McCord, on the on the costs? Yes, it does. But what it really basically tells me is that the tentative agreement agreed to, as I remember it being presented in February, is is that the general term general terms had been agreed to. I remember Ms. Cooper uh, just saying that, and I I understood that. Bottom line: If Casitas does not continue, uh, we don't have an enforceable agreement. Am I correct? There, there is no signed agreement at this time. That is correct. And we will work, um, Betsy, if this sounds okay, we'll work internally on yeah. uh, presenting the options of moving forward if, if Casitas is unable to fund that uh, one third portion um, uh, of the pipeline as originally proposed. I appreciate the, the distinction between enforceable and moving forward. And, there might and let me issues involved. If I can just ask for a clarification, what do you expect on November 12th from the Casitas board? Um, so it's November 10th. <laughs> November 10th, just yeah, okay. November 10th. Yeah, Sorry. just for clarification. Um, when they do you want to say something, Susan? 
Did you oh, I was just going to say that um, on November 10th, I think they are taking um, some information to their board and they continue to do that. We've been working with them all along, um, again, having meetings with them on this subject. So they're really looking at the state water projects as far as Santa Barbara as well as Ventura. They want to fund both of them, as, as Miles mentioned. Um, so again, we're working with them and hopefully on the 10th, we'll get some uh, more information from them and um, continue forward. But really our plan is, is to you know, move forward on this project. And as Mr. Hogan mentioned, we're gonna look at the alternatives. Good, because a, a rolling information item doesn't, doesn't serve this project uh, on the Casitas board side, I'll just say. It's not, doesn't serve in terms of moving projects forward. Ultimately, I would hope the city has a sort of a bottom line and when they need to commit, it's a commitment. City's committed, this Ventura Water's committed, um, and they should as well at some point. I'd like to I'd like to join in that comment. It won't be a motion, but Casitas, we've been moving down the road and Casitas has had the staff discussions leading Ventura to believe this is what was gonna happen. And I believe that, as our chairman just said, that you have to draw a line at some point. It's not gonna snap back, to use it a bad term, uh, to say you're either in or you're out so we can proceed with state water project. That's just my view. Thank you for those comments. Any other comments from commissioners on this portion of the item? Yes, Chair Huber, this is Commissioner McCombs. Yes. I just Susan and Betsy, I would just say if if the decision is not an affirmative one on November 10th in terms of being definitive, then I would expect that when you come to us in November, we would have an update on that because I, I do not feel that we can wait until January to find out what they may or may not do. There's too much at stake here. I concur with that, uh, those comments. Thank you, appreciate it. And this is Susan Mulligan, I'll weigh in as well. Um, particularly if we can get grant funding for the project, it might make sense to just not worry about Casitas, keep the rights to the pipeline ourselves. If they wanna use it, they can pay wheeling costs and they will need to use it because uh, that connection to Santa Barbara is small and they're gonna need the state project interconnection. They're just gonna find out, you know, that they're just waiting. So it, it may be possible we fund it and we just charge them later when they need to use the pipe. So anyway, I, I agree, we can't wait for them. It's an important water supply project. Then the attorney needs to take care of itself. Thank you both for those comments. This is Commissioner Ackerman. I totally agree with what Susan just said. Either they're in or they're out. Thank you, Jim. Okay, uh, are we ready to proceed to our third presentation? I want to welcome Linda. But thank you, Betsy, and and the staff for uh, uh, all your all your answers and responses to our our questions. Appreciate right, it. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Hibner and Commissioners. I'm Linda Szymanski, the uh, Ventura Water Pure Program Director, and I'm really happy to be here tonight. I think this is the first time I've actually spoken to you guys as a commission. So next slide, please. 
So the agenda for our update on Ventura Water Pier project, um, just going to go over the objective for the project. Um, just as a reminder, it's been a while since we've talked about this project. Um, go over some of the components and where we are with the uh, various project pieces. Um, do a, basically a high level uh, timeline for you. Talk about funding a little bit and then talk a little bit about what we're doing on the communications side. So next slide, please. So I'm sure that most of you remember that the, the reason we're doing this project is because of the consent decree that we have. So with the Wish Toyo Foundation and the Coast Keepers, um, we negotiated the settlement with them. Um, basically, it's laid the groundwork for our project, um, divided the PURE project into two phases. Um, the first will be where we will divert a portion of the tertiary treated water from the reclamation plant that goes to the estuary and build an advanced water treatment plant to treat that. Um, there's a second phase that um, will be implemented once we uh, do some st environmental studies about how the estuary has reacted to removing the tertiary treated water. That phase would actually pull almost all of the treated um, tertiary water out of the estuary and allow us to treat it for in, in the advanced water treatment plant. So next slide, please. So there are a couple of things driving, of course, um, like we just talked about the consent decree and we have to do the estuary diversion, diversion because of the consent decree. Also in the consent decree, um, we are required to use a portion of that water for reclamation uses. Um, there are some additional benefits for the project. Um, I'm sure you'll remember that they will actually help um, improve some of the water quality that we have. And then it actually helps us achieve another local water supply that um, is reliable. So next slide, please. So just to go over the map a little bit um, and remind you of the different components and where they're located, um, you can see the star is actually the Santa Clara River estuary and um, the orange is the current reclamation plant. Um, we will be building a new outfall and a concentrate line that is going to run from the reclamation plant out to the ocean. You can see that in the purple. That is actually a new facility. So um, there are basically two portions that we're working on right now, the, on, the onshore and the offshore, and I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, at the reclamation plant itself, we will need some pumps to actually pump that water out. Um, there will be some pipelines that actually will need to go to and from the advanced water treatment plant. So the advanced water treatment plant is kind of right at the corner of those little orange lines and the light blue line. And we'll talk about that land piece a little bit more also. And then the last part of the project is actually the injection of the water into the groundwater. And that's shown by the light blue lines and the light blue dot. That's a general vicinity of where um, the wells will be located. And again, there'll need to be some um, pipelines and pumps associated with that to move the water. So next slide, please. So I'm going to go into uh, base, some of the components. Um, 
just kind of a high level of work that's been completed, things that we're looking at in the next one to six months, and then things that are a little bit further out for each of the various projects. So for the outfall project, um, we're showing in the pictures that it will be going down Harbor Boulevard, um, basically through the Keys and then out into the ocean. So things that have been completed for that, um, we did award a design, um, design contract with HDR uh, that was in June of this past year. And so they are actually in progress on working on the design of both the conveyance portion, the onshore and the outfall. Um, we have received approval for our estuary monitoring so we are required to do some pre-monitoring before we divert water out of the estuary and out either to the advanced treatment plant or to the outfall. So that, that has been approved by the regional board. And so we are getting started on all of the data collection for that. And then we are also starting um, the ocean data collection that we also need to do for the regional board. Uh, we're required to collect one year's worth of data um, in the area where the outfall will um, will end. So that is also underway. Um, near term, we are looking to progress the outfall design to 60%. Um, we hope to be at 60% probably uh, late winter, early spring. At that point, then we need to submit all of our applications to the regulators so that we can be permitted for the project. While we're doing that, the um, conveyance portion or the onshore portion will actually be progressed to about 30%. And the reason we're doing that is it's very important for us to get to the regulators and make sure that there is enough time for us to go through the permitting processes. And so that has been the most important thing for us. Um, folks that we're going to need to work with are the Coastal Commission. Um, we will need to work with city planning. Um, part, a portion of the pipeline is actually in the local coastal zone, so we'll need to do an amendment for that. Um, we will be working with state lands for the area offshore. We'll be working with the regional board, and then we will also need to work with the Army Corps. So all of those will be happening sometime within the next six months. Um, longer term, we hope to obtain those permits, finish up the design, and bid the outfall on conveyance. Our target for construction is the spring of 2023 and hopefully finishing in the fall of 2024. So next slide, please. Uh, for the advanced water purification facility, um, things that have been completed, the basis of design report for the plant itself has been completed. That basically tells us about the components and how they will operate. And we've also completed a draft engineering report. This is a report that is required by the Department of Drinking Water. Um, we have actually received comments from them. It has a little bit more detail about the actual processing and also has some information about the groundwater associated with it. So we will be looking at their comments and addressing those. And I'll bring this up again when we talk about groundwater also. Um, in the near term, um, we actually have made an offer to purchase that piece of property at the corner of Olivas Park Drive and Harbor Boulevard. Um, 
we received a counter offer back. It is our intention to go to closed session um, in November to council to brief them on the transaction and then um, go to council at the beginning of December to approve the purchase of the land so that we can actually open escrow. So the other portion that we're working on for that piece of land is also that it's also in the coastal zone. So we need to do a local coastal zone or lo local coastal plan amendment for that. So we will be working with city planning on that. And that will actually lead to, I'm just going to hop to long-term real quick. That Once that portion is done, then that would lead to the annexation of that piece of property because it is in the county. And then we could actually get our um, coastal development permit. So that that those two pieces are a little bit further out and are dependent on the LCPA. Um, the other things that we're looking at for the advanced water purification facility is how do we want to um, design and construct this project? Um, there are a number of options available to the city. Um, there will be an ordinance going to council um, to reflect the voters' vote on Measure J back in 2020 that does allow the city to use alternative delivery methods rather than the design bid build that the city typically uses. So we are going to go through analysis on that to look and see um, if there is an alternative that we may want to use for this project. And then once we have gone through that exercise, we hope to get our, our preliminary design together so that we can get out to either solicit design contracts or to solicit design bid build or whatever method we decide. So um, longer term, hopefully we will be awarding those contracts. And, you know, of course we have our end date as part of the consent decree and our target is still to complete phase 1a by the end of December 2025. So next slide please. So for the groundwater wells, um, what's been completed to date again that draft engineering report has been completed. It does talk uh, also about the groundwater wells and the the way that the water is injected, the travel time for the water before we take the water out and use it from the groundwater. Um, we've completed groundwater modeling. Uh, we did a lot of that based on just known quantities for the area. Um, and we have, like I said, had a preliminary review of the engineering report and also of the groundwater modeling that we've done. Um, near term, we're looking at completing the construction of a monitoring well. What this will help us with is some of the geochemical um, characterizations of that particular area. It will also provide us with um, some soil samples to do leaching tests. So we'll want to take a look at the specific areas where we believe the wells might be to get some more specific data on those that will actually feed back into the model so that we can update and look at the assumptions that we made and confirm that you know what we've modeled is is has does is going to do what we had thought it would it would do so so those things are um 
The monitoring well is actually under construction at the moment. Um, we hope to finish that by the end of December. That will give us all of our samples and we'll move forward from there. All of that's going to lead to helping us determine which aquifer within the Oxnard Plain Basin that we want to inject groundwater into. Um, some of the other things that we're looking at um, as part of focus area one, the development out in the auto center area and the Olivas Park Drive extension, we are working um, with those folks and we will need land out in that area for the, um, the groundwater wells. So we want to make sure that we're working with folks to make sure that that land will be available to us. Um, again, we will be looking at how do we want to move forward once we have all of this data and doing a um, delivery method analysis for the groundwater wells also. So longer term, um, we need to revise the engineering report. Uh, we'll need to actually obtain the injection well site um, once we, we are able to um, determine where that's going to be. Um, we will also need to do a report of waste discharge application for the regional board. And that also goes to the Department of Drinking Water. They work together on that because this is an indirect potable reuse project. And then finally to construct the full scale demonstration wells. So next slide, please. So the reclamation facility improvements, um, we have not worked a lot on this one at this point. So you can see an empty square under completed. Um, but near term, um, we are working with the folks who are working on the master plan for the reclamation facility so that we understand um, what their recommendations are for the facility because it will lead into how Ventura Water Pure works. Um, there are some complicated flow schemes that will need to go on at the reclamation facility. So we will be looking into, you know, how will we supply our current recycled customers and how do we best um, put things together and where do we need to put them so that we make sure that we can get water to the advanced water purification facility, we can get water to the outfall, um, how do we deal with the concentrate, uh, making sure that we can bypass certain things as we need to, and then how much storage might we need? Because, you know, we do tend to have a diurnal curve and that the um, advanced water purification facility will be a steady state operation. So we want to make sure that we're taking care of that. Um, all of these things, again, lead to delivery method analysis. Um, the one other thing that we're going to be looking at near term is we are required to file something called a 1211. Um, it is a permit to change where we are discharging the tertiary treated water. So we will be moving that from the estuary to the outfall. And so that actually requires us to file a permit. So we are getting started on that. And that is with the state water board. And so basically our longer term is to actually look at um, the design and construction contracts for that. So next slide, please. Um, for the pipelines and pump stations, again, we haven't focused a lot on this at this point. Um, right now um, on the radar for that is the delivery method analysis. And again, coordinating with the Olivas Park Extension folks, we want to make sure that 
the lines that we will need, basically the, the uh, line that is going to take the water from the advanced purification plant out to the well area. That is projected to go through that extension area. So we want to make sure that we're in working with them on their project so that we don't have to tear up that road right after it's been built to put this in. So, and then longer term, of course, award contracts. So next slide, please. Um, just some very high level milestones for you. Um, you know, by the end of this year, we would like to have the delivery method selection completed. Um, that will actually drive a number of things that we need to do. Um, 2022, I think the big highlights for us is to buy that piece of land for the um, advanced water purification and to get start getting our consultants on board so we can actually start designing this project. And then 2023, we'd like to see the start of the construction of projects. And you know, it's, it's a very high level at this point. I think the next time I come back to you all, I'll be able to give you a little bit more detail um, for the timing and, you know, schedules that have a little bit more specificity to them. So, but that's our high level for the moment. So next slide, please. I just wanted to touch on funding a little bit. Um, I wanted to note that we do have our application in for the WIFIA. Um, we were invited, as you'll remember, um, last February to submit an application for WIFIA. We did submit that at the beginning of July. Um, that would fund up to 49% of the project or approximately $125 million. Um, we've been in contact with the WIFIA folks. They are progressing in reviewing our application. They've asked us some questions. We've replied and provided some answers for them. We anticipate there'll be some more that we need to um, do for them. But for right now, um, what our target is actually to have a draft agreement together for the WIFIA loan um, sometime in December. And that, that was the target given to us by the WIFIA folks. So um, a small portion of this project um, is anticipated to be funded by the Bureau of Reclamation and their Title 16 grants. Um, you can get up to $20 million through those grants. Um, to date, the city has um, gone for two grant rounds that they have had, and we've received money in both of them for about a total of $4 million. So we will, of course, continue to watch as um, they progress and put out, um, they typically do it once a year. So we will, we will be watching for that. And, you know, as we can, we will be submitting and trying to take um, full claim of the $20 million. Um, we are in the process of working on our state water revolving fund loan. Um, to date, we have submitted our general application, which basically lets the, um, the water board know that we are interested in getting funding for our project. It's very high level at this point. Um, there are some more technical pieces that we need to do. Um, we will need to submit those by the end of December to be considered having a complete project and to be considered for funding. Um, typically their funding um, cycle is submit by the end of December they have what they um, put out as their, their um, funding 
proposal usually in April or May, and then um, then there's an adoption of the funding that usually is finished up between June and July, and that's when we will know whether we, we will actually receive money for this year. Um, if we don't receive money this year, we can always, we, we will remain on the list or we will reapply. So you, you don't, it doesn't go away. And then there is a small amount of money that will be coming from other sources, um, net zero, potentially one, cash reserves, potentially another. Um, I don't have on there, but bonding is actually another potential source for funds. So next slide, please. Oh, well, that's some interesting spelling. <laughs> so um, just to um, recap just a little bit where we are on communications and outreach. Um, so we are in the process of updating the Ventura Water Pure website. Um, if you looked at it recently, there's still a lot of information on there from the EIR period. Um, since we're moving on with the project, we'd like to update that and get some more um, updated information on there. So that is um, going on. Of course, we will be um, participating in presentations and public meetings. We have done a couple of presentations for some folks. Um, there will be some more in the future. Um, the one other thing that we're working on right now is, you know, while our test facility that we had um, to do a lot of our testing on has gone away, um, we have actually um, been able to get a new test facility. It is a much smaller version of, of what you all saw um, previously, but it, it does have the components of the process and we think it would be a great teaching tool. Um, we were able to get this through the Bureau of Reclamation from um, San Francisco area. So we're in the process of setting that up and creating another space where folks can come and take a look at the process and we can explain how things work and all of that. So that's um, in the works right now. Um, you know, hopefully at some point we will be able to start bringing folks in to see it again. I think it's a great public outreach tool. So just a matter of time and, and when COVID will allow us to start bringing groups in again. So, and next slide, please. And that's it. I'm happy to take any questions you might have. Questions from the commissioner. Actually, I'm going to start with uh, Commissioner Mulligan because she's our ad hoc committee representative. Oh, need to unmute. Susan? Unmute. Thank you. There you go. Linda, you say that. Uh, you're going to complete the project delivery method analysis in 2021 and that yes. there will be an ordinance going to city council. So what's your methodology for that? And yeah, what's so, the timing? Yeah, so the ordinance itself is not um, not tied to the delivery method selection. Um, the voters did allow um, for alternate delivery methods to be completed. Um, so well, what wasn't done was the actual ordinance to for council to approve. So that piece needs to get done. Um, so that's why that is. That so is just just a forward. question, a, qu yeah. a question, Linda. I read the ordinance at the mm -hmm. time, and it sounded mm -hmm. like on a project by project basis, the council had to consider each project. Is that something that would happen afterwards? 
I don't believe uh, the the council can choose to do project by project. But it it will allow us okay. if yeah, it, it is they. So don't I guess then my to. question is, will that be done mm -hmm. after your analysis is complete? No, it's actually going to go before. Why? So we, um, the the alternate delivery method is not necessarily just for the Ventura Water Pure program. Um, there are other projects within the city that may want to use that an alternate delivery method. And so this ordinance actually is for the city and all the city's projects. So I don't know if that. Okay, helps. so what's your process for deciding for each of the project elements? So there will actually be, um, we are actually hiring a consultant to help us with it. Um, most likely it will be the same consultant that we're going to have come talk to the ad hoc committee about these various deli different delivery methods. Um, we will go through a matrix study. We will talk about the things that are important to the city, um, things such as the quality of the project, the cost of the project, the timing of the project, um, the level of control that we may want for the project. Um, some other things that we may want to talk about are, you know, how much staffing and, you know, how does that play into the type of delivery method that we may need? All of those things we will go through and select the objectives. Once we have those objectives, they'll be weighted. And then we'll go through the various projects and look at those criteria and then develop a rating score. So that will that will be pretty much the method of how, how we go about this. And you plan to do all that before the end of 2021? Boy, I hope so. Okay. Um, well, I guess I would say, you know, for the benefit of the, the other commissioners, this is a new mm -hmm. method of doing projects. Traditionally, mm -hmm. public agencies prepare a complete set of plans and specifications and take sealed bids for them. This method is something where the city defines about 30% of the projects and seeks proposals from designers and contractors. And the uh, price is negotiated rather than a sealed bid. And the price is agreed upon before the project is fully defined. So the designer builder has quite a bit of latitude as the project goes forward to build it in a way that's cost effective for him. Um, it, it, in my experience, it results in projects with poorer quality materials, smaller vaults, um, you know, less efficient infrastructure. You can define a lot of that, but when you leave so much undefined, I think you end up with a project that is much more expensive to operate and maintain. And I, you know, Linda, you know, I have concerns about this and I just hope that life cycle costs are considered and that whoever's doing the analysis has some experience with other facilities that have done these things because the ones I'm aware of did not go well. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a huge decision. I, I feel like the city's kind of moving forward with this, this decision 
without really fully analyzing it and going to the city council with an ordinance before studying it just still feels just like this train's going down the track. Mm -hmm. So again, I, I have a lot of concerns and um, I, I just hope that you consider it very carefully. Um, I, I think it's a huge long-term decision for the city about the quality that this facility is going to end up being. So mm -hmm. that that's my perspective. I know you're aware of it. I just hope that's really carefully considered before doing this. Yes, thank you for thank you for your comments. And yes, I, I do take those to heart because I, I do I do appreciate your concerns and I, I do hope that you know we, we can work together to help maybe alleviate some of those. And I, I will also say that you know we are not necessarily going to use an alternate delivery method. Um, it will we will find out. There is the potential, and there may be portions of the project that may be more suited to that. There are portions of the project that may not be. And so it's it's not a one size fits all. But thank you for your comments. Is, thank you. I, I I guess I would just say it is there any reason that you have to go to the city council with this now? Is there some other project that requires it? I mean, it, how are you going to present it to the city council with sort of thought, sort of presupposing that an answer? Linda, could I um, could I clarify? Sure. On this item, um, and you and you said it earlier, Linda, but I'm just going to try to reiterate. Um, Commissioner Mulligan, the item that would go to city council for consideration in December would be brought forward by uh, the public works director in the public works department. It's an ordinance that basically just implements the city's ability to do design build projects. If it decides on a particular project, then it wants to pursue that methodology. And uh, after- and Then Miles, per the, per the ordinance, do they then have to go back to the city council for approval on a project by project basis? That's what I read when I read the ordinance associated with uh, the, what was on the ballot. Correct. So this is just codifying what the voters approved. So making the ability to do design okay. build and then the public works director and his team, you know, on each project would evaluate whether um, design build, uh, whatever the delivery method is pursued. And if it's design build, then uh, that would be brought forward to city council in, in um, you know, the associated project approvals that are needed for that project. So I just wanted to clarify that okay. what's going in December is not Ventura Water Pier specific, um, but if uh, design build is pursued for Ventura Water Pier, that ordinance would obviously need to be in place first, um, but it doesn't in any way predetermine um, the decision to pursue or not pursue design build for Ventura Water Pier. Does that clarify? Okay, thank Yes, thank you, Miles. You're welcome. That's all I have, Chair Hubner. I have uh, some questions. Hubner, I think you're on mute. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you guys can read my lips. 
Hey, go yeah, ahead, Noah. I was trying to read your lips. Um, okay, I have some concerns about the monitoring well, the questions and concerns about that. And um, so this well is under construction now, correct? Correct. And are you doing any hydraulic testing in the well while it is being constructed to see if you can detect, uh, you know, more productive geologic layers versus more confining layers? Are you doing any kind of during construction testing of that well? Yes, we will be. Um, there, there will be. The way the well will be drilled, we will be able to access the 3 aquifers. Um, within that basin and take data from each of those. Including flow rates and things like that. I, I don't know that I can answer that 1 for you, but I can find out. Uh, because these wells are really expensive to put in. Mm -hmm. And it's very important that we maximize the amount of data we are getting out of each well. And that includes any monitoring wells as well as the injection wells that will eventually go in. So there are methodologies, um, you know, practices that your consultant should be bringing to your attention. And your driller should be familiar with those. Um, working with your overseeing hydrogeologist, I hope. Yes. So um, that I just want to bring that as a recommendation um, based on my experience. This is particularly important with injection wells uh, because injection, if you maybe get 50% of what you can extract, you're doing really well. So we better understand what the aquifer we're going to be injecting into that rate of receiving uh, what that's going to be, because that's going to be very important when we're, um, you know, actually putting our ultra purified water into into the aquifer for storage. We need to know that capacity. So the more testing we can do um, early and often, the better. Um, it sounded like you were just going to be doing uh, geochemistry testing. Is that just on water from the well? Are you going to be doing any testing of um, sample ultra purified water uh, in the aquifer material as well as the water um, in the aquifer to see what kind of mixing reactions, particularly, I think. Uh, with um, samples from the aquifer, the uh, sediment samples, geologic material from the aquifer, uh, you're going to be putting highly reactive water into that material, and it would be very good for us to know uh, what you're going to be leaching out from the aquifer as you do that injection. So that that's a concern I brought up. Mm -hmm. earlier with the commission and with the water department is that mm -hmm. um, now is the time to start getting that data while you haven't yet selected what aquifer you're going to be injecting in. Correct. Commissioner um, Clyke, can I address that? Yes, we will be sure. doing um, leaching tests 
um, that that is exactly what we will be doing. Um, the plan is to take the soil samples and the water samples and actually then get purified water from a facility that makes it and do those tests just like you had, you had Great. mentioned. Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that clarification. Um, and then let me see. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much all I had on that. I appreciate your responses. Oh, I know one last thing. Uh, I would I would like to see the engineering, the draft engineering report, just so I can sure. become more familiar with the technical issues. And I think there was a basis of design report mm -hmm. as well. Yes. I would like to um, be able to review those. Okay. That's all Thank I Thank you, Nova, for those comments and questions. And requests. Other commissioners? Uh, yes, it's Bob Brager. Um, uh, Ms. Amansky, as far as uh, a project delivery, we had a, we had a project uh, that was very similar to this where we had a, 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 a wastewater treatment facility, the collection system, and the injection wells, we produced reclaimed water also, so we had to inject it somewhere. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, the uh, the uh, what we did was that when we when we uh, completed the design of the whole project, we put it out to bid, and uh, the project uh, we had a uh, timeline on it uh, for construction, and it was uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of about three years, thirty six. Uh, uh, 36 months, and that was under pressure by the regional board because uh, they wanted it done quickly. Um, but so we came back and we said, or they came back to us and said, well, we're not going to go for 36 months. We, we got to be, it's got to be uh, faster than that. So we're saying, well, what, what are we going to do? They said, well, that's, you know, that's, you guys got to figure that out. So what we did is we got the project, the construction unit was all designed as one project and what we did was we we said okay let's split it up in three separate projects one's the treatment plant the other's the collection system the other one's the the injection wells and when we got three separate we put them out there we split it the project we uh, put it out uh, uh, three separate bids we got three separate contractors and we did the project in 18 months half the time um, that was unbelievable, but we got it done, believe it or not, from scratch. There was not any pipeline, any earthwork done, no wells were drilled. In 18 months, we got a whole facility uh, completed, and uh, that's how we did it. Now, it cost a little more. Uh, however, uh, we satisfied the regional board, which wanted to get it uh, completed uh, very early. So that was one way to do it split your projects up into smaller little chunks, have them do them simultaneously. Uh, that's just a suggestion. Uh, and another thing is regarding the, the injection wells, um, they should be, as far as testing the, you know, the aquifer, um, uh, you, you've got to start that really, really early. Uh, and that's just the fact why it just takes time to deal, to drill 
uh, testing wells. And then, you, you know, once you drill it, you have to charge it. You got to test it, make sure it's not overcharged, so find out the capacity of the aquifer and see how that affects other, uh, other, you know, the water table and such. So anyway, that uh, we, we did that early in early in the stage we started that early and it worked out really well we got very good data and it worked out really well and so uh, anyway one other thing is that on, on your powerpoint page seven you have an advanced water purification facility could you actually go through the steps there just quickly oh, sure The, the, the actual Sorry. process there, yeah. start, starting from, you know, from storage. Sure. 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 Amanda, could you um, bring up that slide? Yeah, it's number seven. Yep. Yeah. That's so, it. yeah. Yeah. So basically, oh, one more. Sorry. <laughs> no, no problem. Okay. So um, the basic scheme that um, we have been working on in our preliminary work has been, um, again, providing some equalization at the um, reclamation plant because of the cyclical nature for wastewater versus the steady state for the um, advanced plant. But basically, um, so we've got some storage and some equalization there. Um, the first process is um, a combination of ozone and BAC, which is basically um, biologically active carbon. Um, that's kind of the um, a disinfection and kind of the first filter stages sure. for the process um, to be you know start removing constituents from the water. Um, after that, it goes to an ultra filtration where actually even more things can be removed from the water before it goes to RO. Um, RO is, you know, basically kind of the fine, the fine process where um, pretty reverse much the osmosis. Sure. Yeah, reverse osmosis where, you know, okay. the rest of the water is purified. Um, sure. After, after that step, it goes through some more um, disinfection steps with the chlorine and it's ultraviolet. Yeah. Yeah, um, so that that's basically a disinfection type of step. And then um, beyond that um, is the two steps where it says chlorine and the ESB. The, that is actually, if we were ever to go to direct potable reuse, then we would be looking at those processes. So those, you know, there are no regulations for the direct potable reuse at the moment. And so basically what we're concentrating on right now is everything from, you know, in the AWPF box from, you know, and the IPR treatment. Right. So. What, pro what, what percentage is going to the wells of whatever's processed through there? What percentage is, is going through there to the wells? So it's approximately 80% recovery. It's not bad. No, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. Okay, and the and the rest goes out to alpha. Correct. Okay, and that's at a concentrated level. Correct. Okay, uh, and um, out at the out outfall, have mm -hmm. you 
has there been testing? Because I don't know, that's what we had to do is go out there in little little rafts and test the water out there. And and has that been done yet or not? We are in the process of doing that. Um, we will be doing our first set of monthly sampling, um, hopefully next week. Unfortunately, we were supposed to do it this week and then it rained and it got rough and it was very difficult to get out okay. there. So, but yeah, we will be monitoring that monthly. It's a yeah. requirement for our permits. So absolutely. So we will be doing some, doing the site specific. Okay. Monitoring. Now at the, at the injection wells, how many actual injection wells do you believe you're going to have out there? Can I make a suggestion just in the interest of time? Um, perhaps the staff can, can do a briefing for, for Robert. Um, or provide some additional background information on on this particular project. Sure, I'd be happy to. I think that would be. I, I don't mean to cut you off, Robert, but it's just, no, not at all. I'm just trying to get ramped up for this. <laughs> uh, understood. understood. That, that that that'll be fine. It's a very complicated project, obviously, right. and a lot of components and right. a lot of details. So, okay. Uh, no other questions, sir. Okay, thank you. Other commissioners? Questions? I just very quickly, uh, Linda, do you have a read from, from the Coastal Commission on whether this is a, they're going to permit this or provide a staff recommendation for a coastal development permit for this outfall? I mean, I see them as, as the, perhaps the biggest permitting an obstacle uh, for this mm -hmm. project, maybe the, the biggest obstacle period. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we actually have been in contact with them, um, just kind of a meet and greet and just to let them know kind of the timelines that we're working on. Um, actually, it was a very productive conversation. Um, I, I do believe they're out to help us with this project. They do understand that you know, we, we need to move our discharge, from, remove it from the estuary. And so, you know, we are, we are basically, you know, doing a good project and I think they understand that and are, are ready to work with us. And, and just to follow up, have you heard any, typically they like to ask for mitigation for any impacts to coastal resources, whether they're biological or mm -hmm. cultural or whatever is identified. Um, have you heard of any? Because those can be pretty sig significant in terms of cost. Yeah, yeah we, ha we have not gotten to that point yet. So okay. no, I haven't. If, if you certainly do, we, I think we would appreciate having that in part of your updates. Um, and including, the, let me add, the, the climate, climate change, um, any sea level rise requirements, any, mm -hmm. I'll just say, request to move the treatment plant out of uh, the estuary that, you know, if that occurs with that conversation, mm -hmm. I think we would certainly like to, to hear about that. Of course. Thank you. All right. Uh, absent any, uh, any other commissioner comments? For I have a question. Um, Please. Mr. Ackerman, on the outfall, how far beyond the breakwater does that go? Do you have any idea? I'm thinking about the, the sea life and the lobsters and stuff around the breakwater. It goes out beyond that. Quite yes. a ways, I'm assuming. It does. Um, it will be about 6,000 feet out. Okay, perfect. 
Oh, and and because I was on mute, I wanted to thank uh, Commissioner Mulligan for her comments. And I, I share a few on the design build. I know uh, the other examples in Ventura County where it's been used and and uh, has come back to bite the municipality um, at a later date. So I'll be interested in the analysis and where that goes for forward. So uh, with that, I'd, I'd like to close this item, but open it up for any public comment. Gerhardt, we do have one public speaker. Very good. Mr. Handy, I've made you a panelist. You can uh, turn on your camera and mic. I'll just go with the mic. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Please begin. And I believe you have yeah, two minutes, not, Mr. Handy. Thank you. This is not really related to the uh, pure water. It is a CIP project that I had a question about since it's the only area to talk about it. And that is the Mound 3 uh, well that's going on. I was, I've been by there a few times and I've noticed that it's not completed. And this well was originally slated to be completed in 2019. I just wanted, wondered what the status was with it and, and put a dovetail on that. Mound well so, too also, what's the procedure with that? Mr. Handy, I'm just gonna interrupt you for a moment and ask Miles, is this comment uh, more properly asked under public comment? Or can we handle it right now? Um, I This CIP update only covered those um, those three specific projects. Um, I think it probably is um, better to handle it during the public comment period if uh, uh, Ms. Rundgren wants to answer it at that time. So Mr. Handy, if I could ask for you to wait until the, the public comment portion of this and I'll ask staff at that point to see if they can give you a response. Thank you for your consideration. Um, one thing you might want to put when it says CIP projects, be a little more definitive as to what you mean when they understood. I don't just don't want to just don't want to get Thank any you. Brown Act violations here. Thank you. All right, and we'll give Mr. Handy is, of course, his three minutes and uh, any other items he wants to do under public comment. So with that, unless there's other public speakers, uh, let's close out this item unless staff has anything else they wanna present on this. Um, before we start the, the next item, um, Ms. Rundgren, can you tell me how long this item is and if we can potentially defer it in the interest of time, perhaps to our next commission meeting? Sure, Chair Hubner. Um... It depends how fast Ginny can talk. Um, but I don't yes, want to give her short shift. I mean, she's been waiting yeah, and, and she has a very important information. This is an important item. Yes. I just want to give it its full. I don't want to rush it. And I want to give the commissioners opportunities to ask questions as well as any members of the public. So um, it just occurred to me, perhaps we could defer this one to our next meeting. Sure, we, we can definitely defer it. It will probably be, you know, at least 20 minutes or so, and then there'll probably be questions. So it, it may be lengthy. So we can defer it. The, the only, the only comment, Susan. Sure, go ahead, Jenny. I was just gonna say that the the mound basin GSP will likely be approved by before the next meeting. Okay, That's well, correct. certainly uh, you might be able to report on, on that or at least uh, 
there's no action taken on this item, correct? Correct. Okay. So unless uh, the, my fellow commissioners have an objection, I'm going to recommend that this item uh, be continued uh, and uh, be presented at our next commission meeting. And I don't hear any objections. So thank you, Jennifer, for being patient tonight. Uh, but hopefully you'll be uh, ready. And then if, of course, anything occurs between now and the next commission meeting, uh, please include that in our next at our next item for this item. All right, let's go to item number six. This is a, a Corona 19 billing update. A little bit of agenda, there's a little typo there. Um, and I'll turn it over to our general manager for any introductions. Sure. So we're going to have our uh, Terry McGee, who is our utility billing supervisor. Uh, we call her Wonder Woman. Um, and she's going to give this presentation. So go ahead, Trey. Thank you. Good evening. Okay. So as Susan mentioned, I will be giving the COVID-19 billing update. Um, next slide, please. So we are still operating under the COVID-19 restrictions that were put into place March of 2020. And this uh, slide is providing an update on um, our billing accounts and where we're standing with the customer accounts as of October 12th. So we have approximately 8% of our accounts uh, which have a past due total balance of 60 days or more. 7.3% uh, of those are residential and then less than 1% are commercial accounts. Uh, and none are industrial irrigation or standalone fire accounts. And these past due accounts represent about 2.6 million in uncollected revenue. And I do have the residential and commercial breakdowns um, there by water as well as wastewater per account type. Uh, next slide. So the State Water Resources Control Board um, is offering an opportunity for us to receive financial assistance on behalf of our residential and commercial customers. And we have completed an application. It is uh, under internal review. And once that review is uh, completed, uh, I will be submitting that uh, for final approval. And once the funds are received, then the monies will be applied to the customer's accounts. But there are some very specific criteria that the control board has given for the water and wastewater arrearages program, and I've listed those here. So for the first round of the financial assistance, it will be um, for application to water arrearages only. And uh, again, for residential and commercial accounts that have the past due balances that accrued during the COVID uh, window, of March 4th of 2020 through June 15th of 2021. Customers outside of once the monies are applied, if they still have a past due balance, they're required uh, to enroll in a payment program. And none of the funds can be applied to late payment penalties, which does not apply uh, at this time. We're not assessing late payment penalties. And the funds are due to be dispersed between the 1st of November through January 2022. And any money that's left over after we've completed this first round uh, is to be returned to the State Water Resources Control Board. 
once we've completed uh, the program for the water, then there will be uh, consideration for wastewater and we will repeat the process and start over again to recoup some of the um, the, the, the revenue um, on the for, for customers on behalf of the wastewater. The next slide. <laughs> okay, so as I previously mentioned, we're still operated in the COVID-19 um, restrictions, which means that we're not assessing any late payment penalties, door tag fees, or uh, carryover fees. We have not been referring past due accounts to outside collection agencies. We are, consider, uh, we are continuing to offer generous payment programs uh, and installment agreements to customers who have called in. And we are uh, making sure that we keep our customers in the loop through our communi increased communications, um, our IVRU messaging, uh, online notices on um, tags. So we're hanging door tags, but they are saying, hey, give us a call. You have a pass due amount, um, just any messaging that we can do to spread the word that customers have an opportunity to make some payment arrangements. The next slide. Thank you. Okay, so this I just wanted to share. We thought it would be interesting just to give you a little peek inside of some of our efforts around in improving customer, the customer experience and our business operation. So this is a tool that um, we recently uh, received that tracks the incoming calls that come in. And I use this as a way to make sure that our intraday staffing is appropriate and aligned with when we have our peak call volumes. And this is just a, a snapshot, a 30 day snapshot. The real time report shows actively which of the uh, senior accounting assistants are handling calls, how many calls we have queued in, um, how long they've been in queue, which customers hang up. And in addition to that, it provides us with all of the call details. So I have the customer's name and customer's telephone number. So this is a really useful tool uh, that has helped us um, to know when something isn't quite right. So for example, if we do a bill insert or we have some messaging and it drives calls in, then you know, uh, then we know we have some action there. Sometimes customers will see a, a peak in call volume and then we'll know that something has happened. Maybe there is a main break or something's happening out in the city that uh, we need to be alerted to. So we just wanted to let you know that as things evolve with all of the changes within the billing group, we are also in cha changing our internal processes and making sure that we are keeping up with the pace of what's happening with our customers. And we have a way that we can um, swiftly execute changes if necessary. The next slide. So that was a quick update, um, but I will happily entertain any questions you may have for me. Thank you, Ms. McGee. Appreciate it. Nice presentation. Thank you. Questions from the commissioners? I have a question. Um, Go ahead. So um, you explained the outreach to the customers and also that uh, customers will have to apply to have their bills uh, essentially paid through the state. Uh, what about customers who have already made payment arrangements? Will they uh, be still eligible or automatically enrolled in, in that state payment program? 
Um, okay, Commissioner Clyde, I want to clarify something that they do not have to apply to have the fundings um, uh, to, to receive some of the financial assistance. If they have a past due uh, arrearage on their account that occurred between the dates of uh, March and June 15th, we will automatically apply the funding um, for their water portion of the bill. And yes, it will apply to customers that have already made a payment arrangement or uh, an installment. So it'll be very easy and straightforward, like a nice Christmas present for some people who are worried about this. So for some, yes. Mm -hmm. For some. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Other commissioner questions, comments? This is Bob Breger. I have a question. Go ahead. Uh, is this a program where the city has to pay the the funds first, and then we get the city gets reimbursement. Apply for reimbursement to the state. Uh, no, it is not. Uh, we will receive payment from the state, and then we will apply the funds to the customer's account. Okay. Will you when you receive one large lump sum, sum or like two point six million or something, and then you'd apply that to the accounts? Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody else? Do we have any public comments on this item? Amanda, are you uh, watching? No we, no, we do not. We do not. Okay. Any other commissioner uh, questions? Otherwise, uh, thank you so much, uh, Terry, for um, your presentation and, and being here tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's bring up uh, item number seven. This is a resolution modifying our upcoming re regular meeting schedule. Susan? Yes, thank you, Chair Hubner. So again, this is just a resolution for um, the meeting. So what we're doing here is, um, sorry, my lights just went off. Um, so meetings are held on the fourth Tuesday of every month. Um, and so due to the various holidays, we had talked about this before, we're going to move the November 23rd meeting to November 30th and then council December's meeting. And so we'll need to make, uh, we have a resolution, so we'll need to take a vote on this one, I believe, correct, Miles? Okay. Well, I'll make I'll make the motion for this one um, to approve uh, with um, a request that you come back at the November meeting with the schedule for next year and look at next year's schedule and incorporate some of the regular changes that we are, we've, we've been doing every year, so to speak. Um, for example, we cancel the July or in August meeting and we generally move this meeting combined in November, December. So that's my motion. All second, Bob right here. Any discussion on the motion? 
I just have one comment, if I might. Certainly. Given the uh, fact that we have a, a Thanksgiving holiday that precedes not too many days before this meeting, it would be helpful to have the information that we are to consider um, before Thanksgiving, if possible. That's about it. Perhaps staff can respond to that. That's going to be uh, when the packet will essentially come out. Yeah, so Chair Hubner um, and Commissioners, we will do our best to get that um, to you in advance. Thank you. All right, um, roll call, please, Amanda. And there are no public speakers, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you for that reminder. Commissioner Ackerman? Yes. Commissioner Brager? Yes. Commissioner Clay? Yes. Commissioner McCombs? Perhaps she's not with us anymore. Oh. Commissioner Mulligan? Yes. Commissioner McCord? Yes. And Chair Hubner? Yes. Thank you. Let's move on to public comments. I'd like to invite Mr. Handy back uh, to provide his comments at this time. Mr. Handy, I've made you a panelist. Good evening, Chair Hubner and Council and uh, Commissioners. The only question I had was on mound number three and mound number two. What's the status on the two wells? And mound three is really appears to be really lagging behind. So I just sort of wondering for supply reasons, how long it's going to be before those two wells are basically in operation. Thank you. So Chair Hubner, I can answer for Mr. Handy. Excellent, um, thank you. Sure. So um, there is the city website you can go to and see um, the some of the status and there is an email for the project engineer in charge. But we are going to come back to um, on November 30th. We're going to come back to Water Commission for a CIP update with Public Works. And so Bert or Mr. Handy, we can answer your questions at that time. If that if that makes sense to you and then and if um, that's good with the commission. Yes, that makes sense to me, and thank you for your time, Ms. Rundgren. The thank only thing you. I was concerned about is I've been watching the one over Mound 3 for the last year and a half, and it seems like it hasn't been moving at all. Thank you. Thank you. Well, stay tuned. There'll be another update, I understand, now in, at our November meeting. Uh, are, Amanda, are there any more public comments? Yes, we have one more public commenter. Okay. Mr. Gotsman, I've made you a panelist. You have control of your mic and your camera. Good evening, everybody. Uh, thank you very, very much for having me this evening. And thank you uh, to our new commissioner. And uh, thank you to the chair for all these wonderful questions and keeping it direct and keeping the light on uh, so that we're aware of what's going on. I'm talking from a community member point of view, and I'd love more uh, input onto how our waterworks work. I came from a city out in Southwest Africa, Namibia today, um, 
Vintuk that had an artesian well that served 150,000 people, 100% recycled. Every bit of water was sent. The last bit we used to sail on. We were allowed to sail on those, no power boats, of course, but the last stage was uh, the Harnup Dam just outside Vintuk. And I would love to see that type of, those type of works implemented here, even on small scales the fishing pond, the casting ponds that they're looking for. Let's try and work together, community member and community service, because that's how it started. I'm a commissioner of the new. Um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to have get community involvement. Education is the best way and incorporate our talents, find a way to, um, I will be around at all of these meetings, but water is so fundamental to everything. And as I said, if we can reclaim 100%, I do not like the way we're pumping it out to sea, no matter what it is. Let us be aware of what we're generating and how we're generating it and work together to sort of, uh, you know, make it whole and keep it wholesome and try and incorporate um, individual home steads and homes to reclaim and recycle all their waters. Um, I'm doing that at home and I will keep informed, but I'd love the support of the city and the city and the service of the city, but the city, we are community and the city, the community needs to sort of be involved in all of these processes. So somehow if we can do that and with these wonderful questions that you're asking, I think this is an excellent representative commission or committee to serve on our city. So thank you very much, everybody, and have a wonderful evening. Thank you for your comments, Mr. Cox. Appreciate it. Amanda, do we have any other public comments? No, that was all. All right. And then I'm going to close the, the public comment uh, item for tonight and go now to our commissioner communications. Any communications uh, commissioners would like to um, report tonight? Uh, just one short thing. I just want to commend the water department staff. I was uh, taking a walk up in Grant Park and and saw a pipe leak uh, near one of our um, tanks positioned up on the hill above where the cross is. Uh, and I, I called it in. It was a Saturday <laughs> and uh, the water staff came out and, and looked at it. I don't know if they were able to uh, fix it or whatever, but um, I, I just really appreciated that responsiveness. So just a thank you to the water staff. Thank you, Nova. Anybody else? Well, I'll report a quick one. Uh, I wanna thank Ventura water staff for inviting uh, Commissioner Ackerman and myself and Commissioner Mulligan, uh, we visited the water replenishment district um, and their water pure facility. And we did that, I think it was the last week in September. It seems a little bit far now. Um, great tour. Appreciate the information and thank you. Anybody else? Going once, going twice. Okay. 
Let's go to our general manager report. Ms. Rungren. Sure, thank you, Chair. Um, so a little bit about uh, staffing updates. Um, Public Works right now is looking to fill two principal engineering positions, the engineering services manager and the design and construction manager and recruitment is underway. Um, if anyone out there knows of uh, some principal engineers, um, send them our way. And the Public Works Ventura Water Team four positions have been filled, so that's good news for us. Um, and um, again, Greg Knudsen is here with us tonight and he's been working, he's one of our Ventura Water Team. He's kind of the lead on that, so we appreciate all that he's doing for us. Um, and I'm just gonna comment on a couple of promotions within people that you know, Stephen Glenn was promoted to management analyst. He was our environmental services specialist. And then um, another Jennifer Buckley, she was a um, outreach specialist. She's been hired as a senior communications specialist working under the city's public information officer, Heather Sumagasi, Sumagasi, Sai, sorry, I can never pronounce her name right, wrong or right, sorry, Heather. <laughs> um, and so Jen is actually starting in that official position on November 9th. She'll be doing a lot of the Ventura Water Pier project, working with um, with Linda and Aaron and her team and, and all of us. Um, also, we have several recruitments that are underway for vacant positions. As um, Michael Kuhn alluded to, we do have some salary savings due to that, but um, we're looking to fill those positions. And then we're working on our staffing requests for the budget for the next fiscal year. A um, couple things going to council um, on September 27th, we were approved for the professional services agreement for Ventura Water uh, Reclamation Facility Mixed Media Filter Rehab. What that was, was um, we actually have a CIP projects, but that mixed media, mixed media filter um, needed to be rehabbed. We're having some structural issues with it. So we got that professional services agreement going and they're working on that. Um, Council on the 11th of October, we approved the professional service agreement for Satakoy Country Club Well Number Two Rehab Project, so that's ongoing. And at that meeting, also, um, Council approved the appointment of our new Water Commissioner, Mr. Bragger. So, welcome aboard, Bob. Um, uh, small story there, Bob. Uh, Betsy and I all worked at Boyle Engineering at one time for our ex-commissioner, Mr. Don Mills. So it's a small water world. <laughs> um, other council action last night, there was a resolution to allow city council as well as all the commissioners to, to meet remotely. That is something a resolution had to be made um, due to COVID issues. And then they reconfirmed the existence of the local emergency, extended it until January 7th. And then Michael Kuhn again gave a quarter, the first quarter financial update at city council as he mentioned. Um, looking forward to the November 30th agenda. We had, I'll put that we'll, again, we're gonna put the GSA update on there. Um, we were also gonna have a, the PCAP, which is the pre-construction assessment program. Other words, the estuary monitoring, which Linda talked a little bit about. So um, our biologist, Sarah is going to be talking about the estuary monitoring and giving you a presentation on that. Um, as I mentioned, the CIP update, we're gonna be working with the Public Works Department to give an update on projects. 
and then we were going to do a conservation update also. Stephen Glenn is going to present that. And I was going to do the tentative schedule January 25th, but we'll put that on the November 30th calendar instead. So those will be the agendas. That will be the agenda for November 30th. And then as um, was approved tonight, December meeting has been canceled. Um, a couple of things I wanted to mention for January 25th, and again, we with the um, tentative schedule update, we'll, we can talk about this more. But for the January, it looks like we'll be electing the chair, um, reviewing the Brown Act and conflict of interest, and then um, potentially the second quarter financial update will be presented by Michael. Um, it might be January or February on that. And that is all I had. If there's any question, I'd be happy to answer. Any questions from commissioners? I guess everybody talked out tonight <laughs> after all the questions and comments. So uh, unless I hear anything more, I'm going to adjourn the meeting to November 30th, our next Water Commission meeting. So uh, thank you to staff and uh, everyone have a good evening. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Good night. Thanks. Bye.